Okay, another episode of Long Winnage Spiel podcast. I know it's been a long time. Uh, I want to thank two of my closest friends, uh, Joshua Davis and Matthew Rodick, for coming on out during these troubling times to hang out with your boy. Yeah, um, but yeah, man, so uh, this episode, we're just going to be talking about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, uh, we're going to kind of recap everything. Um, this is never, I mean, this has never happened in history, right? I mean, as it's, far it's as a wild, it's a, a wild, pandemic. This this crazy. It's a wild thing because there have been there have been pandemics before. Pandemic yeah. is just a disease that spreads mm-hmm. very easily, but nothing to this magnitude well, as far as the entire what, world shutting down. Well, what's happened here is that social media exists now, mm-hmm. and to a degree where it's like we can all just text each other and like. Governors and things can send texts to your phone. Your news yeah. is getting updated. Like, you're getting sent push notifications. And so, now we're all, like... It's so connected, the entire world, like, digitally, that we can all just say, like, oh, yeah, like, everyone stay at home. And it's not a ridiculous thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Up until... I mean, pretty recently, like, this... It would be a ridiculous notion to say, like, oh, you've got to stay at home. It's like, well, what am I going to do? How am mm-hmm. I going to get food? It's like a lot of people in the good times and the non-quarantine times just get their groceries and stuff delivered to them now, you know what I mean, via, like, Amazon Prime and, like, yeah. you know, all these, like, yeah. apps that the grocery stores and stuff have. So uh, it's like a time in history where we – it's really crazy to think about, like, what would have happened if we hadn't done this severe of a quarantine we're in such a place right now where it's like we're capable of doing this quarantine. It's putting a lot of pressure on all of us fiscally, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I wonder how many more lives are being saved by this like mass quarantining thing. Yeah. Because it is, it is a crazy thing to... It is a crazy thing. To to be in it now since, I think, March 11th. Something like that. March yeah. 11th. We'll say the, mid-March. Yeah. yeah. Was the, at least for California, was... Uh, everything is shut down. Yeah. I think it was like a literally like a couple day span where they were saying restaurants and movie theaters aren't allowed to like you have your capacity, cut the capacity in half kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like you have to everyone No more than fifty people was it or five hundred? <coughs> I think it was literally like depend depending on how yeah, yeah, depending on how big your space was okay. too or whatever. Uh, yeah. but uh, I think from March eleventh was the time when they were like, Nope, yeah. everything shut down. Until now, it's uh, it's been really strange. I mean, especially with uh, I think the first indicator that I noticed where it really kind of gave me that signal that things are getting crazier than what I originally thought they were uh, was when um, I mean March March Madness. I'm not a big basketball fan, Mm -hmm. but once they started eliminating the fans from the stadiums, but they allowed the games to continue, Mm -hmm. and there was a UFC uh, event in Brazil Mm -hmm. around that time as well. And same same thing. They let the fighters fight, but there was no audience members. Right. That's when I noticed. Oh shit! This is this is getting a little weird. This is not something that is just a flu that's just going to pass, or right. you know, within a couple of weeks, or yeah. the because those are big industries yeah, that are yeah, the panic out. isn't going to pass. Yeah, they're yeah. losing one hundred percent amounts of money. March Millions. Madness. March Millions. Madness, I believe, is the biggest Vegas payday. <clears throat> I, I couldn't I tell that, you. I think couldn't the biggest. Yeah. I think that. Uh, every year in March, like if you're a gambler, mm-hmm. which I know, I know some like hardcore like people betters, like people that just bet, uh, and 
I believe that that's where they'll make. It's like they'll make their year salary or whatever no in way. March. You know what I mean? That's whenever, like, that's when the most ha- money I gotta is exchanged. Get into gambling, again. dog. I'm fucking up. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Wrong industry. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, that's a that's a. You want to talk about putting some gray hairs on your head, though? Yeah, Close right. basketball game between Fuck, a whole dude. bunch of kids. Yeah, right. That's so yeah, true. A whole bunch of twenty-year-old kids. It's like, well, you guys decide whether I yeah. eat tonight or not. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> I've, I've heard stories where like the the number one seed loses to like the number fifteenth seed or some oh, shit. Yeah. Am I wrong everyone's on that? Bracket, right, everyone's gets, bracket gets messed up. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard stories of that happening. But, I'm not super well versed in it myself. And mm-hmm. in terms of like the March Madness, like you know, there's a few teams that are always supposed to be good, and then there's always a couple teams that are on the outskirts. And every once in a while, those teams that are on the outskirts will, you know throw a right hand and knock one at like a Kentucky or you know like you know some one of these big North Carolina schools like out and it'll always like be the talk of the town and Mm. they'll put it to music and uh, you know everyone will be like oh my god underdog story it's the best Mm. underdog story of the year since last year Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a guy that lost his entire life savings oh, on that underdog yeah. story. Absolutely, he's yeah. like, "Fuck that story." <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I've been yeah. on the other team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, but, yeah, man, but you're, you're right though. Like, whenever you start seeing these major corporations, mm-hmm. like, uh, kind of following scientific protocol, right? scientific yeah. protocol yeah, for sure. and uh, and start saying like, "Yeah, we're not going to let fans in anymore." It's like that was well, that, that's, yeah, that to me was a clear sign, and then. Um, Obviously, everyone you know getting unemployed is probably the biggest setback. I think um, that was that was tough. You know what I mean? Just like seeing the number rise from you know five million people applied, now ten million people applied. We've been an average of two hundred thousand people a day are applying, and it's just that's when things started kind of getting scary. I yeah, guess yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. we saw the the biggest biggest drop in uh, Wall Street um, since two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Whenever we went into like the biggest recession of our time, yeah, um, yeah. And what, what I was saying earlier was, um, this is the um, and you're right about the social media, but the point that I was making was, um, this is the biggest. Um, I mean, in, in our lifetime and in other people's lifetime, I'm assuming we've never seen something of this magnitude where the entire world shuts down. I know, you know, there was a Spanish flu that happened however many years ago. I'm sure measles was a thing or smallpox. That was probably just as bad. But as far as like in the 20th century, we've never really seen anything like this. What I mean is that those things are all, measles in particular is one Mm -hmm. that I was looking at pretty closely. That's just terrible. Measles is as contagious and like twice as deadly. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's terrible. But so what is crazy is that this is the first time in history where the two things intersect, where like Mm -hmm. smallpox and measles, uh, while those things still do exist in some parts Mm -hmm. of the world and stuff like vaccines exist so mm-hmm. like people that travel from those places and stuff but this is the first time where the crisscross of this is a new thing there's no vaccine for and then you're crisscrossing that with the idea that like it is so possible to put out into the media mm-hmm. that no one like like scientific evidence is like dictating to us that no one should go out yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. like the ability to get the warning out there is mm-hmm. higher than it's ever been. Like, yeah. if you were to talk about the original, like, breakout of the measles and stuff like that, yeah. it's so much harder to transfer information and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? 100%. Uh, uh-huh. And th- so then that raises the question of, like, oh, the, you know, how many millions of more people have died from, like, outbreaks of the measles and stuff. But also, I wonder where this 
pandemic would exist in those record books if you didn't have this mass quarantining that could like that was so we could have surpassed me exactly it's it's hard to say yeah i mean that's the thing and we're you know the u.s has the the highest death total from as of now yeah and it's and it's this is not to belittle but it's you know i think it's mid 20,000s or something right now something like that i'm not totally sure it's like and that's terrible 20,000 people losing their lives is a terrible thing but absolutely compared to like Millions. Well, I think when you talk about the communication of how we can fight this thing is directly related to also being in the modern times that we are is the ability of this virus to travel throughout the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Talk about the number of thousands of airplanes that are in the air oh, yeah. every mm-hmm. single day. And that's one of the problems with the spread of it, right? Is that although communication is a lot better, transportation for the virus is also a lot better. Yeah, the yeah. other side of the coin. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, just to go back to what we were saying, uh, confirmed... Deaths in the U.S. is 25K. Yeah. yeah. And uh, confirmed cases is 609,000. Out of the 609,000, 45,000 have recovered. Yeah. So. 609,000, yeah, that's a, it's a huge number. Oh, yeah. W- worldwide, deaths, 125,000. And there's just under uh, 2 million as far as confirmed cases. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's definitely crazy times. Um it's, def- it's not nothing. It's a big deal. No, it is I a big deal, yeah. for sure, for sure. I just, uh, my, my biggest issue, I guess, as of now, is just the, um, I don't want to say issue. My biggest worry, it's a better way to say it. My biggest worry as of now is just more the, um, like, the people that had their own business, that had to, mm-hmm. were forced to stay home, yeah. and they they had to shut down. I mean, a lot of them probably, that's their life work, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Inside that one shop, or that store, or that restaurant, and... Um, like, are they going to be be able to recover from that? You know, like I understand. I was actually saying this earlier. I know my issues. Uh, it's a drop in a bucket in the grand scheme of things, but that's still very much real to me. Sure. So I'm sure Joe Schmoes down the street that owns a pizzeria, you know, his issues are probably a drop in the bucket as well. But mm. that's just as important to him. That yeah. that is his life. That is that is his life work, and um, it's just that to me is a biggest. Uh, Biggest scare, biggest issue. Um, I know we're all staying at home and we're fighting this COVID nineteen, but um, what is there to come back to? You know, after it's gone, if if everything you work towards is gone, you know, if now you're just a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and your store is foreclosed, and now you have to worry about paying off this debt on top of maintaining a you know your family or your friend. I don't know. It's just that to me is what I'm really curious to see what happens. You know, there's a lot of hope. Uh, for there's, there seems to be hope in some in a lot of people mm-hmm. as far as what the stimulus package, yeah. package can do and help yeah. with because that first two weeks that's the only thing I talked about with a lot of my yeah. friends was how many small businesses that were already kind of teetering on closing are now like completely screwed yeah um, and what are they going to do very true you know like you said all these people working their whole lives yeah. but I think I've especially coming out of this last two weeks I was like in a negative place but trying to come out looking at things from a positive perspective mm-hmm. like how can we make this whole situation an opportunity yeah to come out of it on a positive yeah end? i guess that remains I mean, to be seen there's a yeah yeah i mean on a personal level it's very possible i've talked with several people um uh it's very easy to say on a personal scale i'm going to come out of this more learned or like mm-hmm. having I mean we were just talking about before we started rolling like uh, 
like oh watching things you know what I mean like spending time watching art that you haven't got a chance to like mm-hmm. watching a television show that it's like oh man I know that I'm gonna like this I just don't have the time mm-hmm. so like the, there is there is growth in the quiet you know what I mean there's yeah, like there's sure. growth personal growth that can be achieved like in in human lives by not being able to go out you know what I mean yeah uh, but fiscally like that's not how mm. that's not how businesses grow and develop you know what yeah. I mean unfortunately so yeah it's going to be the biggest thing I mean and the, the media on some fronts will try to get you to like pick one or the other like the idea of like pick business or people's lives yeah. and that's like been the big like oh like I hate that dude like why does it have to be one or the it other de- it you definitely I mean? is not one or the other and like so people and it goes on both sides there's yeah. like the the very lovely liberal sense of things where it's like oh you can't put dollars on people's lives like well mm. we have to wait this thing out until the fewest casualties can yeah. occur and then you get like like the the stern heartfelt uh, you know conservative more mindset of just like we've got to make sure that people have jobs to come back to like yeah. if this thing goes on for too long and both of those things have to exist. It's like yeah, a perfect, like this is like a perfect crisscross of where like this is what governments are supposed yeah. to like help you see through. You know, like, yeah. is that we are now as a country and as an international entity of society, mm-hmm. like human society, we're like all going through a massive recession because mm-hmm. all businesses and jobs and people's lives are all being affected. Like everyone's grandma and grandpa and diabetic cousin or brother or sister like are at risk right now of for sure dying mm-hmm. before their time and so no one wants to it's very difficult to tell people to go to work and then so like what we do instead is tell no one that they can do anything so that we limit the cross of diseases and then we wind up with okay well now we have the greatest recession since 2008 yeah yeah and like that's not just like I mean we're all hurting and mm-hmm. it's like well uh America, the United States of America just signed a $2 trillion budget to try to give us all $1,200 and help small businesses. And yeah. Stuff. And it's like, for us, it's like, man, that's a, that's, it feels like a drop in the bucket, but like you do that. Because it is. I mean, it's, yeah, you do it, it hardly covers rent. Yeah, hardly. Exactly. One month. Yeah. You know? You do it, uh, you know, 200 million times or whatever you have to yeah, do. It's business. It's going to be interesting to see what that actually does. Yeah, man, I, I, I love what you said as far as, um, you know the uh, the the dollars to lives, the the economics behind uh, the whole growth behind the U.S. as opposed to people's lives. I love that, yeah. um, and I I do th- I agree with you one hundred percent. I think there is a correlation between the two because if you think about it, um, as far as economics goes, like the 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 money in the U.S. it is people though. Like that is that is literally that's people that fill those gaps up. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's my wealth, your wealth, your wealth. That all combined adds up to that. So in a way, those dollar signs do represent people in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I hate to go back to it, but it's like, what are we fighting for if there is nothing, if there is no better life at the end of the tunnel, if there is no light at the end of the tunnel? You know what I mean? Like, what am I fighting for? What, why am I staying home if I'm going to come back to just living the next 10 years on, you know, trying to regain what I lost? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just... I don't know. I, I, I 100% agree with you, though. Like, there is there is a correlation between the two. It is it is not one or the other. It's not that It's not that simple. It's not black and white. There is a gray area in this whole thing. and um, But now the issue is, is trying to find out how to go about where it, right? Where is the balance? Yeah, yeah, where is the balance? Like, what? I, I, think, that, I, I think that it, it is a thing where... Uh, 
I think that we were, you know, right before that we started, we were listening to uh, the governor of California, yeah, yeah, Newsom, yeah. Happy Gavin Newsom, yeah. Good uh, talking, you know, about like, you know, he's laying out his, he's doing, I think, what a lot of governors and things of, a lot of states are doing. Uh, the governor of Ohio, where I'm from, he does a weekly chat, actually, where he'll, like, just tune in. That's I, cool. I can't remember if it's Sunday or Monday, but he literally just gives, like, a, like, this is cases, this is what we're planning on, this is what we're doing this week, blah, blah, blah. And it might be, you know, it's been, I think that he does it, like, it can be a half hour, it can be ten minutes or something like yeah. that, you know, if he doesn't have much to say. But he's doing a weekly address. That's really on, like, uh, like the I news. appreciate that, yeah. And so Newsom doing something similar, like, just checking in, like, and it seemed like he was... Trying to begin the conversations of what uh, a reinstitution of yeah. like a more kind of normal life, and I think that over the hump, mm-hmm. I think that there there does there does become a point where it's like you just have to kind of set a date, and the people that are at the highest risk, we have to find a way to protect them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But the people that are not at a higher risk, they need to social like again. All parties being the same, if you have diabetes, if you're an elderly person, we've got to find, like, maybe you go stay with some family member, and then the other family members, like, all stay at a different house, and then they go to work, you know, like, you have to, there's got to be some kind of thing, but those people, the people that have jobs that are functioning members of society, that are making taxes, they're, you know, paying their taxes whenever they make their paychecks and everything, that helps, like, the government, that helps with, like, all this whole thing, that helps them have money in their bank accounts. I think that there has to be a conversation of like, well, what is the, what are the next steps on a personal level of like, what are these, what, what can we do to go back mm-hmm. to like a normal existence? And I think it is just a thing where you've got to set a date and uh, it's kind of like, instead of tax day this year, cause it was, you know, April 15th, what is the normal tax day? And they yeah. shoved that all the way back months and months <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. And it's like, well now the new one is. May 15th, and that's like, you must have your household prepared for whatever you need to do to go back to work. You yeah. know what I mean? If, like, our households, uh, you know, like, you and Achilles, you and John, Taylor and I, like, we, our households are fine. You know what I mean? We don't have a lot to, mm-hmm. to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of moving pieces. In yeah, well, there's yeah. not a lot of people that are at risk. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, young, somewhat healthy individuals. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go hang out with anyone's grandma right now. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, uh-huh. like, and that grandma should be made to know that I mean, she might be working too. She might be a 60-year-old grandma that usually works or whatever. And it's like, sorry, you, you don't right now. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, it's easier to take care of her stimulus than it is the nation's stimulus. Absolutely. You know? There has to, like, I just think that that needs to be the next step of the transition. It's like, we need to, okay, everyone's out of a job right now. Okay, well now let's put most of the people back in a job, yeah, and like start making money for all parties involved. Small, measurable waves of getting back into in, in yeah. order, right? And, yeah. I mean, and I'm actually more saying, yeah, like just tr- man, tr- making the transition so that the people that the small portion of the society that like can experience it the worst and have the most high at risk. Mm. I mean, everyone else is perfectly viable of like receiving a terrible flu-like symptoms with like a, oh, yeah. you know like a fever and mm-hmm. like joint pain and everything like that everyone is and so if you don't feel comfortable with that then you mm-hmm. know you've got to weigh your risks just like you would with any other thing you know what I mean take your own precautions like mm-hmm. if you want to continue practice social distancing or wear a bandana mm-hmm. or whatever uh, or face mask then you should continue to do that for until yeah. they develop a vaccine but you should if you are capable have the option to go back to work you know I think mean? so yeah. yeah I think that's the 
not the smartest way to go about it, but I mean, as of right now, what other options do we have, right? I mean, I mean we can't just wait until we can't, can't. We can't sit and wait for a vaccine to arrive. We do in order to go back to work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, we that, can't stay in this lockdown mode. And yeah. not just that, but not, I mean, think about it. Let's say tomorrow they end up coming out with the vaccine. How long do you think, realistically, how long do you think it'll be before they have enough to enough of a supply of that vaccine to accommodate everyone in the U.S.? Well, I was reading today about um, a vaccine that they tested on rat or mice that worked very well, and it's basically a, a what do they call it? A spike protein or attaches itself to a spike protein in the mm-hmm. coronavirus, and it's just basically like uh, twenty needles about the size of a fingertip. Okay, that are actually made of like um, sugar, and they're uh, uh, soluble in your skin. So basically, you just put this patch on, hmm. and it dissolves into your skin and. It's highly producible. That's the number one uh, factor that I was reading um, in determining um, how they're going to scale these uh, vaccines. Because that's their number one factor when trying to figure out a vaccine is how is it scalable? Can they uh, burn them out really quickly and really uh, efficiently? And they're saying this one potentially could be for that. But I I think scalability is the first thing that they're concerned with. I mean, realistically, would you say it would take at least a few weeks, a month, maybe, to accommodate enough to I feel like we need to get testing. Testing needs to be the number one thing, right? For sure. And I feel like there's a lot, there's so much, we don't, we know so little in comparison to what we should know or will know over the next year or so. I feel like there's a lot of information that's going to come out that's going to make things a lot more clear. There's just so many pieces Especially yeah. with media pulling you in different directions, and I mean, the media guys, is mainly pumping out a lot of—I mean, I hate to say it—but like negative news. It's just like every time I watch it, I feel more and more grim, just oh. kind of like depressed. Like, oh, there's no hope. You know, you had certain governors talking about—I know I mentioned this earlier—but they were talking about pushing this stay at home until the end of the year. This is like what we're just going to like completely wash 2020. Like, it's just—I just can't see every single person in the U.S. staying home jobless for an entire year. It's I not, mean, it's not feasible. It's not feasible. Well, it's and not. I feel like that kind of, like, conversation, like, what we're talking about then is a hypothetical situation. Yeah. And yeah, when you have fair. people sitting at home, like I talked to my dad or, like, some other family members. Is um, your dad in, that, in the age range of... Um... Uh, my dad's, what, 55? Oh, so okay. no. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. quite. Okay. Um, but he does live with an elderly, elderly woman. Oh, okay. Um... But he's sitting at home all day just watching the news. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, not just you know news on TV, but media in general, social media included, are just like creating these hypothetical situations based on the limited amount of information that we have. And then people with nothing else to do are just chewing on that, all these different negative hypothetical situations all day long, and then spitting that back out. When I have these conversations with... I love you, Dad. But uh, <laughs> I have these conversations with them. Let's make and that I'm clear. Like, Man, I'm like... <laughs> My brother even, my dad was sending my brother and I a, a grip of text messages and links to all this crazy shit going on, you know, a lot of individual cases, yeah. but my brother's like, you need to just stop watching the news, that shit is rotting your brain, yeah. because that's all you have to think about, you don't have other things to do to keep your mind and yeah. body busy, so he's just sitting at home watching all these hypothetical posi- uh, situations not even play out, just something to think about, Yeah. and it creates this negative reality in your mind, and when you have that happening to millions of people, like on this massive scale, I feel like you end up with a lot of people who are going to realize are getting depressed, or like anxiety is going to go through the roof, I mean, people are locked in their homes. I mean, not necessarily, but there are people who believe that they should not even go outside for a walk. Yeah. That, that that's still something that you shouldn't do. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that since the get-go. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's just really frustrating seeing all that happen. And I feel like we need more information in order to I think properly so. process yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It's just you got we have to collectively. That's what I mean is we have to start talking about the next step. We can't just sit in doom and gloom. You can't yeah. just sit and tell people this is what you have for right now. We all have to like collectively news media and stuff included. We all have to accept this isn't feasible. We know that it can't last until the end of the year. And so what we're going to do is we've got to start rolling out, like, uh, maybe there are uh, quarantine centers that, like, we put, like, like oh, these, the places that are, like, we sanction places, like, like living situations or something like that, like, uh, where these places are, for the highest risk people, like, they stay at these, like, Secure, sanitized locations right. or something like that. You know what I mean? Some kind of thing. And then that way you don't have, you know, like as sanitized as you can make a place, I guess. I don't know, you know, but you've got to, like, there has to start being a rollout. It's a much better thing to, like, buy if, uh, you know, there has to be a collective or something like that that, like, buys, like, a hotel or something like that. Mm. And, like, that hotel gets sanitized and then, you know, you get then that hotel becomes like a place a place to live for all residents that like are high risk like diabetes uh, asthma uh you know like age oh, range like you know like exactly like whatever like these breathing like uh respiratory dis- disorders that usually seem to be like the biggest cause of like um uh death whatever, mm-hmm. whatever like they're combined with the covid-19 so there has to be a we have to start making conversations about those things so that then the economy can like resume because we're so, we're already so in the bucket like it's not just like I know that we've discussed we're all discuss, discussing like man like feeling pretty okay about certain financial situations and then this hits and it's like man I, I feel like I was maybe getting out of the bucket and it's like man it's wild how fragile a balance is right if you're mm-hmm. like oh man like I'm making this and then this thing, you know, you're out of work for three or four weeks, and it's like the whole thing's ruined. The whole blueprint is done now, and that's on a nationwide scale. You know, like we're talking about, like worldwide, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. m- worldwide, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, people are talking about how there's, you know, under Donald Trump, like the uh, GDP growth and like job, uh, you know, um, unemployment down and everything like that and then you have a situation like this where it's like even if you're trying if you're a fan or you're not a fan of the president like there are positive things to positive numbers to look at uh and it's like oh this is great and then something like this happens it's like man whether whatever is going on like this just just derails an entire positive movement towards a thing you know and so there just has to be a conversation of like okay well does your dad who's living with this elderly lady like does she go somewhere else does he go somewhere else like Mm -hmm. do they like there has to be a stimulus not just for like oh here's twelve hundred dollars for every single person because none of you can go to work like how about we give like three thousand dollars to your dad to like be able to stay at a different place away from that lady or vice versa maybe she goes and stays somewhere else like with a large group of people you know and people are they're gonna listen to this are gonna be like oh like camps are you gonna put all these like yeah, FEMA camps. Endangered, <laughs> endangered people in camps or yeah. something like that that's not what i'm talking about but i think that there's like a middle ground between like you know everyone staying at uh the hilton and fema yeah. camps i think there's somewhere in the middle that um, yeah, you know can... there's like l- decent living situations 100%. that people can have yeah. 
um, like I said, if you live close to your families, um, or like even in our like family that we've created for ourselves here in Los Angeles, uh, if one of us was at risk, I'm sure that one of us would like, we would stay, like if John was at risk, I'd tell, you know, John and Taylor are now our roommates and then I come and live with you or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and then we go back to work and John and Taylor still practice whatever like thing that they need to to like stay yeah. safe. Taylor's not even an at risk person. I'm just throwing out ideas. Yeah, yeah just yeah. Well, like, yeah, would, examples. The puzzles, that, the pieces yeah. that you would move to create, you guys have to have a sanitized yeah. like level, like 10 mm-hmm. like thing, you know what I mean? And then everyone else can kind of go from this level 10 that we're all at yeah. right now and like the ability for society to crank it down to like a six mm-hmm. and like be able to do things again yeah. would be I think massively beneficial. I think that's the thing that we need to start looking at. If we're going to look at this like May 15th is now the yeah, day that that's like, what they're saying. Yeah. And so it's like May 15th is a perfect time. Like we got a month, make your transitions now. You mm-hmm. were worried about tax day, worry about moving day. Yeah. Worry about whatever you need getting to your do. Getting your shit, yeah, getting your ship in order. Like exactly. if you need to move someone out, yeah. That's one thing that um uh, at, at the, I was reading about this. Um, China, at the peak of their whole COVID-19 pandemic, they were actually doing exactly what you said as far as having hotel rooms. So if, if let's, say, let, let's say us three lived together yeah. and I, t- I had a high fever, they would immediately send me over to a hotel, mm. sanitized hotel where they would actually monitor me and they would test me. The moment they found that I was deemed either A, I was positive or negative for mm. COVID-19, they're either if I was negative, they sent me home, okay, you just had the normal flu or you're sick with something else and that, that'd be it. But if I end up testing positive for COVID-19, they would keep me in that hotel. And obviously, like that's not ideal, but I mean, is that the best case scenario for what you know, you're dealing with at the time? I think so. I mean, just, I mean, again, FEMA camp, right? Everyone automatically thinks FEMA camp, concentration camp, and the list goes on and it just goes down this negative uh, mind. Um, but one thing you brought up earlier, Justin, I kind of want to I, w- I want to touch on that I read about the other day about like uh, being able to uh, to test yourself or to know whether or not you are um, if you have COVID nineteen. Um, uh, Apple and Google are actually partnering up with the government as far as developing software to test yourself to know whether or not if you have symptoms or whatnot. <laughs> and uh, I just pulled it up right now. It's on their Apple webpage, and um, it's again it's it's. It's in the, uh, the development stages, so there's nothing firm yet. But what they're talking about doing is literally having like an app that can test your um, your temperature. And as long as you have your phone with you, then you're allowed to be out and about. And the moment you your temperature goes up, if you have a fever or if you have symptoms showing that it could be a signs for COVID-19, then it alerts the government, Apple, Google, whatever you want to think of it. And um, then they'll go about taking the necessary steps in order to isolate that. That case, the American version of what they did in South Korea. In South Korea, yeah, in South Korea, I didn't uh, know about this. What, what what happened in South Korea? In South Korea, they it wasn't a South Korea sounds like it's a really beautiful place to visit, um, but they don't the sense of like American pride and like our own like individualism doesn't mm-hmm. exist as much, and so like the government uh, sanctions and authorizes a bunch of uh, tech and things, and so. Uh, on their phones, everyone got a government gift that was a GPS tracker. Okay. And if, like you, like you just, 
you didn't. I, I'm using that term, like expression, like you just woke up one day and then like you've got this thing that is now on your phone. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna go to the app store and get this oh, thing. Oh, okay, it was a mandatory. Gift, a mandatory like, gift yeah. that you all just woke up with on your like, phone. Like, hey, we we made it. And so as you were, so now whenever you're walking around, the government has this GPS tracker on you. And then if I'm person A, your person B, if Derek's person B and uh, Matt's person C, if I'm walking down the street and I come within six feet of you because they know my GPS location, then it'll ding person B and person... Like, if I, like, feel sick and, mm-hmm. like, oh, I go in, then the uh, doctor will mark on my thing, I'm a red dot, and it will track oh, for the shit. last 14 days who Where I came in contact with. That's kind of scary. And will... The, all of the person B and person C will get a message notification saying, hey, you need to report in to mm-hmm. the doctor to see because you've come in contact with someone who has excuse me, COVID-19, COVID like a mm. confirmed case. And so all those people get brought in, and then they get... Um, and then China is the one step even worse than that, where China, like, people are, like, really... I mean, China's where this th- whole thing started, yeah. and uh, we've handled the situation uh, spreading-wise worse than China by a country mile, but it's because, again, it's really easy to just... If you can tell people, hey, do this, and the United States, people are like, Kinda okay, I will. Yeah. But then, like, business kind of resumes as usual. And then in right. China, they say, "Hey, stay in your house, or we'll shoot you." And it's like, okay, I'm gonna stay inside now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And so, like, whenever they like, oh man, there's like three thousand deaths right away because it started there. And then Chinese people, like the Chinese government, just like, no one go anywhere. And they're like, okay, whatever you say, mm-hmm. sure, don't, yeah, you know. Uh, and so, like, their their curve flattens like straight, like, you know, straight yeah, like yeah. that. I'd heard that they're already opening up certain businesses, right? In China, in China. I, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't that's be surprised. I, I read that recently yeah. that they they already opening things up. Um, in they a perfect also... world, if you stay, if everyone stayed in their house and no one went anywhere for like fourteen days, that like in the hypothesis of like the scientific theory of yeah. this whole thing, that would essentially like almost do away with this round of it. You know what I mean? That's fair. But yeah. it's virtually impossible to allow to yeah. even conceive that no area. true true and you know what like as of right now you brought up a point earlier matt that i thought was really interesting as far as like this is the first um obviously the first wave but the first experience with this new virus and uh, we don't know exactly what there is like there's probably a lot of things that we're going to learn long term that we didn't realize at the time is what you were saying right yeah. so one thing uh, that i read I'm sure you guys already know about this. Is that certain people are asymptomatic, where they're not showing signs, but they're still they can still spread it because they have it. And uh, another thing that I read recently, which is certain people are kind of going to remission, where you 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 uh, you test negative, but then you know a few days down the road, a couple weeks down the road, you end up and uh, ends up resurfacing, and you end up you end up testing positive for it again. Hmm. And especially certain people that uh, that were actually had the worst of it. Um, there have been a couple of cases now where they're testing positive for it again. Mm. So now they're learning like John that. John Jones drug test? Like a John, exactly, those fucking picograms, man. Picograms, um, but yeah, dude, it's just, so again, that's just something new. That, well, who's to say eight months from now we end up learning, oh, crap, dude, if you actually had it, you're still technically contagious three, four weeks even after you tested negative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. There's a lot of new factors about this whole thing. The asymptomatic thing is like... Uh, that's a trip, dude. The, the it's one, almost... The, the, there's a it's study. kind of scary, right? There was a study in Iceland or something like that. Uh, maybe it was Greenland, one of those places where uh, so, where the, they researched and they think that it's somewhere in the neighborhood like fifty percent. 
fifty percent of all the, carriers yeah. are asymptomatic. Yeah. Like you can have you can be a carrier yeah. of it, and the way that your body processes uh-huh. it, it's literally just like it's a disease that is designed to spread because for mm-hmm. some people that are what? strong, that's what's so scary and, about it, dude. Oh my god! And then you go and like you. I was <laughs> <laughs> just choking Achilles out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, at least you know the choke works. <laughs> I, know, I didn't realize it was that tight. My bad, dog. And tap. You got to tap right next time, bro. He hasn't learned that trick yet. My bad. Um, are you were saying though, Josh? Uh, it's just a, it's it's a it's the wolf in sheep's clothing clothing to like the nth yeah. degree. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's literally just like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I have this disease. I am literally just a car- carrier. I have no it. idea. I have it. Doesn't yeah. I'm not affected by it at all. Help me out here. You would know this. The popular actor, a British guy, black dude. He had it. Thank you. That guy. Yeah. Asymptomatic. Yeah. And that's a that's a perfect example of someone that um, had no idea. He, how did he even find out he had it? Do you know the story behind that? I just read that he was asymptomatic. I don't I know. I believe that he was on a shoot, and okay. they, and the shoot was like, oh well, all tet, you know, sets are like very Holy crowded cow. places, okay. and so yeah. they were just like, oh well, all these things as it was getting started, they were like, uh-huh. well, um, let's all let's all get tested and see if there's anyone that we yeah. know should be should be sent away from work. Real, come, come to find, find out, out. if the fucking star, star of the show, it's Idris Elba, oh, has it, and he dude. feels right as rain. It's perfectly fine. That's crazy. Um, he quarantined with his wife or girlfriend or something right afterwards. Uh, it's like, you know, That's scary. Did, yeah. for him, he's literally just like big, tall, strong, good looking black yeah. dude just going to work every day. Yeah, yeah going to work yeah. every day. And then uh, he's training for a fight, too, actually. Uh, Was he really? Yeah, I mean, I know he's had a fight before. Oh, he did take a fight. He had a fight, yeah. He had an amateur Muay Thai fight or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the guy's in shape. I mean, yeah, yeah guy's in shape. Let's 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 be uh, let's be clear on that. Yeah. But that's what <laughs> I mean. You know, like shape. a lot of people that are. I mean, this is something Tim Kennedy just uh, was kind of poking <laughs> fun about this the other day. But he was just like, a lot of people who are overweight, which type two diabetics are typically, it's uh-huh. a symptom of it that you are uh, very overweight. Um, and uh, like people that have respiratory problems, a lot of times if you have yeah. respiratory syndrome, you probably don't cardio like exercise cardiovascular workouts yeah. very often. And like the so therefore, just those two factors alone, COVID nineteen death rates in people who are obese are very very high. Yeah. And Tim Kennedy's making fun of that. It's like, oh wait, so you're telling me that if you're out of shape, that uh, a global pandemic is more likely to kill you? It's like, go figure. Yeah. And it's like I he mean, says it kind of. Coolly. I see. His, I see his point. He says it kind of coldly, yeah, but yeah, you know, I see his point, but. You know, it's you it's, could have polished that like a little bit more. <laughs> for sure, but I feel like he's touching on a point that a lot of people uh, ignore as right. a factor exactly. in general because yeah. so many people today ignore their health as a whole. Exactly. Um, I do want to. I want to touch on that some more, especially with like um, uh, asymptomatic people mm-hmm. and uh, immunity. Mm-hmm. But I do want to rewind it back to uh, the app because I was going to make a joke before he even said anything about. As soon as he said Apple and Google, I was like. Oh, there's an app for that. Like, we're going to uh-huh. have an app for the sure. coronavirus. Yeah. But I think that there's a conversation to be had on the other side of that coin where, although, yes, this is a situation that would call for something like a GPS to be activated on your phone mm-hmm. or to be able to track things that way, how beneficial that could be. Don't let Billy and uh, Trevor hear you say but that. But that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that I think there's a, the other side of that coin is that there's definitely a conversation to be had about, um, okay, sure, we can do that now, but... Who's to say that this isn't going to continue after the situation is over? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, maybe it was Tim Kennedy that posted something, or one of the other um, uh, one-sided opinions Libertarian, that I follow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, said uh, posted a Benjamin Franklin quote that was like, uh, "If you're willing to sacrifice 
um, some of your liberty for um, any amount of protection, then you don't deserve any liberty at all. It was a quote. I'll look up the quote right yeah. now. But it was an interesting. It sounds like a Ben Franklin thing. It just kind of got my mind if you're turning. To sacrifice liberty for free, like safety, then you don't deserve any liberty or something. something like that. Exactly. So taking that point into consideration, Derek, just to catch up on that, is like, you know, if we're gonna if we're talking about adding a GPS device to our phone or um, separating people based on um, uh, their uh, being positive or more likely to catch the COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Or he was talking about in South Korea where they have, uh, or China where they have the app yeah. that yeah. tells you all these people. We're kind of um, uh, walking a fine line there between like, okay, this is beneficial for us now as mm-hmm. a as a human race to to battle this thing. Yeah. Who's to say that's not going to continue after? And who's going to have a say in in whether or not that's going to be turned on and off? We're already on such a a fragile state of the people and the government and trusting and not trusting each other but you add this into the into the mix as well i mean the potential for controversy is huge i mean that's what i'm seeing like split i mean maybe a smaller selection of my friends are talking more about how I don't know if you paid attention to like the whole Bill Gates vaccine shit. I did all hear that about stuff it. Yeah. Going on. Uh-huh. The, the conspiracy that Bill Gates started the whole thing is there no. Well, that absolutely not. But I, I said I don't buy into conspiracy theories as a whole so much as I do try to look for the root seed of yeah. what truth is there because I don't yeah. think they exist for no reason. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's smoke, cer- there's fire, right? Yeah, there's exactly. Some truth to it. I yeah. definitely don't think that it's caused by five G towers, but <laughs> I do think that there's. I'm willing to bet. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I do think there's I something concur. to be said about, you know, the potential for someone to take advantage of the situation. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't believe that the COVID-19 was created in a lab. But, yes, I do believe that there are people who are trying to take advantage of the situation as it unfolds because they see the potential for making a shitload of money or power or whatever. So, I just think that needs to be a part of the conversation oh, sure. mm-hmm. as far as, like, okay, cool, like, you know, the, the microchip has been a, a thing that I've heard about recently as well. Like, that's a developing technology. I've that, not heard about this. What is... Uh, well, they're... Uh, I don't have any specific references. No, no, you're fine. You. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in general, I know that like the, a, the microchip, yeah. uh, a microchip uh, implanted in your wrist, carrying your ID and credit card information is a part of the conversation. I know there's Amazon stores now where they scan you as you walk in the store and you just pick up items and walk out with them. There's no clerk... There's no store employees. You just walk into the store. There's a store in New York City where you pick up an item, you just walk out, and it scans your Amazon account and charges you as you leave the store. So we're talking about um, separating people based on their uh, potential for um, to be potentially deadly with Mm -hmm. the COVID-19 virus, and separating them, and or finding a way to identify people who are less susceptible to the virus, right? But Again, we're kind of walking that fine line of like, all right, so we're tracking people now is really what we're talking about. And of course, right now, to the benefit of the world, I think that it could do a lot of good. But I think that the conversation has to be included in my thing. What I was saying also is like, this is a this is a you thing. This is a thing where like you as a person have to like, I'm not talking about a government mandated Mm. like separation. I'm talking about. Uh, a government stimulated like hotel situation or something like that like the government helps pay for it like maybe there's like some kind of collective that like helps pay for like this entire hotel is filled with this many thousands of like uh, tested COVID negative people and they are this is where they stay and they're going to stay safe and they're uh, higher risk and then but that's something that you got to do like you as a you as a family have to make those decisions on like I'm not talking about like the government 
checking all these people and being like, oh, you have to go, you have to go. I'm talking about, that's what I mean whenever I say it's like, oh, it's the new tax day. It's like May 15th yeah. is now your day to get your ducks in a row mm-hmm. on like, what is the way that you're going to make your household and your loved ones the safest? Do they go stay with a relative somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you guys do, you know? I just feel like with, um, after that first weekend or two weekends of, especially in LA, mm-hmm. where um, they recommended like, stay, you know, social distancing. And then if you scroll down or click the next slide, it was like, go for a walk, take a hike. Yeah. A lot of people didn't read that until the following or until that weekend. And they were like, Oh, I can go for a hike. And there's a fucking line. Like it's universal studios up and down these hikes, um, all over the place. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people proved that they can't be trusted to make the right decision in that way. So I think that's where I would run into a problem because I agree with you. I think that's and ideally, that, that would be perfect is, okay, yeah, you submit yourself to this thing. The only problem I see in that is how many people are just not going to admit to it or are going to ignore the rules completely. Because I feel like that's what was proven to me that first weekend is people were like, oh, cool, we'll just go social distancing, no problem, we'll go on a hike. And there's fucking a thousand people around you and yeah. they think that they're still social yeah. distancing. Because they're outside. Or yeah. friends or neighbors who are still having groups of people come over yeah. and hang out at their houses. is like... Can we really trust people to make the right decision? I, I have yet to be proven on that. No. But I'm skeptical, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things where I will, I will kind of lean on the side of like our, our good friends Trevor and Billy and just be like, it's like that at a certain point, it's got to be you've got to take, you have to take responsibility for yourself and your household. So if you're willing to go out there and whenever you get to the hike and you realize, oh, this hike is really crowded. Uh, I live with my diabetic dad or my yeah, dad is 65 yeah. and he's got your responsibility to make it's your yeah. responsibility to turn your ass around yeah. and go on a different walk you know what I mean fair. you can walk around the neighborhood uh, I tell you what like those hikes might have been crowded but I've just been going on walks around the neighborhood uh, and you know you it's easy as easy as can be to just yeah. stay six feet away from everyone and mm-hmm. like are you getting like up on top of a mountain no, but are you getting some vitamin D, like getting out yeah. in the sun and like, being outside and being yeah. outside? Being like outside. absolutely, sure. you know what I mean? Like take yeah. what you can get safely. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, definitely. You know, what's really funny, man, is like uh, to kind of play off of like walking around. I've actually noticed um, an increase in conversation with random people. I don't know if it's because everyone's so deprived with like that interaction with, with their fellow human being. But I've noticed, I know we're supposed to like social distancing and whatnot. But I've also noticed just walking down the street, it's just a very casual thing for someone to say, how's your day going? How are you doing? It's just like, hey, man, like, I know we're not supposed to be like engaging right now, but I completely get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I completely understand. Nothing and will create, I, nothing will create uh, tighter bonds of fraternity and friendship and brotherhood than uh, uh, relationships, I should oh, say. Oh, for sure. Than for sure. tragedy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I was at the store, man. 9-11, so, uh, everyone was everyone's yeah. best friend. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, what was that? What was uh, uh, the slogan back then? Uh, United We Stand or something like that, yeah, right? Which like is that. something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong, but it was something like that. But I was at the store, and then just some random guy asked me, like, yo, man, are, are you good? Like, you got enough supplies? And it's just like, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know your name, but thank you for that. Like, that's awesome that you would even ask me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um so it's just, again, it's just, it's kind of like a funny little, 
yo, distance yourself from everyone. But that did he is tip his making, cowboy hat. And like, he sure and did. He let his he gave me a wink. As he gave like, me a wink. He kept driving his yeah. cattle down Ventura. As he tipped his cat, <laughs> as he tipped his cat, his horse gave me a little bow as yeah. well, and it was a nice little, uh, nice little show he, he gave me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and as he walked away, he flipped me a gold coin, and that yeah, was, uh, that was really great. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> He just rode whenever, off and in the yeah, sunset. Whenever, whenever he incredible. got on top of the hill, did he like make the steer like the, the, yeah, the yeah, horse yeah. Neigh it went up. up. It went up and he yeah. took off his hat and waved it that in the really air. Nice. It was really nice, really nice, dude. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Cool. Uh, but yeah, dude, I don't know. It was just like a really weird uh again, it's just it's funny to me to see that. I mean, I love it though. Mm-hmm. I love it because it does show that um as 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 just a human being, you do crave the interaction with people. Like you you need that. You need friends, you need you need uh, uh, comrades, family, you know, and whatnot. To that point, when that those two or three days, whenever they de- when we decreased the number of people we were allowing in restaurants mm-hmm. uh, at Boneyard, where I'm a manager, we took out. We have 19 bar stools, and we took out half of them, so there are only like eight or nine bar stools mm-hmm. or something like that. And so there's plenty of room for everyone to have six feet in between them. Yeah, people were literally taking the seat from its safe six feet away and scooting them closer. Really? People that did not know each other. It's one thing, it's like, oh, I'm going to scoot closer so I can sit next to my girlfriend. No, that's not what I'm saying. Strangers <laughs> were scooting closer to each other so they could have a beer and like Good talk about them. this shit that's yeah. going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, duh, of course they're going to do that. You know Good for I mean? them. So, I mean, that's... that's that's the re- like if anyone's wondering it's like oh why wow, we have to close down restaurants like there you go that's yeah. the reason it's like because people want to Vent. talk about yeah. this they want to like see each other they want to touch each other they want to like experience like yeah. we're not like we're apes you know what I mean like we're not we're not lone yeah. wolves out there it doesn't especially at the watering hole yeah. especially at the watering exactly. hole that's like a great segue because this is one thing that I was uh, talking to Matt about earlier before you got here Josh and that's just um your own personal story behind the COVID-19 is like what your experience has been. Now I know what social media is saying and what the government's saying and what the numbers are saying, but everyone has their own experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like certain people are uh, affected by this more so than others. Um, I was talking to uh, our friend Jonathan earlier and, uh, uh, Jonathan and myself, we kind of consider ourselves a little bit of a hermit crab. Like I prefer to be home most, most weekends. I, I like being home. I love watching movies. I love, um, Cooking a dinner, like just cooking dinner for myself and for my girlfriend, uh, Brianna. Shout out. And uh, and I, I, I love that. But then once that was taken off the table, once I was not allowed to do those kinds of things, it made me want to go out more. It made me want to actually experience those going to a bar and having a drink. I know we mentioned this earlier uh, when you and I talked about it. But the one thing as far as like venting about it, um, I kind of had the opposite reaction to this whole COVID-19 um, distancing myself from everyone and having that that wall, that that theoretical wall between myself and my friends, I actually noticed I started becoming more distant emotionally as well to where it affected my relationship with my family, with my friends, with my loved ones, where I couldn't even have a conversation on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't even be on the phone and and have a conversation on what my day was like or what I'm thinking because I couldn't articulate the feelings that I was going through and just that feeling of being alone, you know, like, um, it's no, I mean, it's no news to you guys, but to whoever is listening, um, I don't have any roommates. Um, I do have one roommate and he's a four legged dog that doesn't clean up after himself. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a terrible roommate because he pays no beer. He pay, he pays no bills. Um, it doesn't buy any beer. It, it doesn't buy any beer either. Yeah. 
Exactly. He's sitting there sleeping right now. God damn it. Um, anyways. Even a good podcast. Yeah. Not even, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I get it, bro. Um, uh, but yeah, so, I, you know, like just that feeling of being alone was one thing that I wasn't used to. Um, I've lived alone for about two years now. Um, but this is different than living alone. Mm-hmm. It's not only am I alone, but I can't have my friends just come over. I can't go to their the house. I can't. A hundred percent, dude. And like, I didn't realize, but it was a, it was taking a psychological toll on me as well that I didn't see. And um, again, um, I was dealing with this issue, and I was also dealing with isolating that issue and figuring out a way on how to articulate it to my friends and let them know, like, hey, I'm not in a bad place, but I'm also not in a good place, but I don't know how to explain that to you. So then I would become frustrated that I would just give up on even trying to have a conversation over the phone. And so you called us over to have a podcast. And I called you guys over <laughs> to fucking have a podcast. <laughs> exactly right, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, it's just, I don't know, man, but that, that, that's been my story. That, that's been my biggest hurdle throughout uh-huh. this entire thing. Yeah. Is figuring out how to connect emotionally, even though I'm closed off. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, what, uh-huh. what's your guys' personal experience with this whole thing? I, you know, I think it's a lot different when you have a roommate. Very different, I would and, say. Yeah. And also when you have a pet. Mm. I feel like the I I crave my own space. Like I wish I could have been living alone. Up until this whole thing. And even now, still sometimes. Love you, John. Shout out, John. <laughs> Johnny Bowler. Uh, things just got awkward. Really hard. No, but, you know, I mean, he knows, and we both feel it. Like, we're just on top of each other all the time. We live in a two-bedroom apartment. Stop sleeping next to You know, time. yeah. We have two bedrooms. And we're still, over. We sleep on the couch time. together. Yeah, I don't know. So it's wide. so hot. It's nearly <laughs> enough room. Yeah, no. The, the couch does not fit us both. Uh... No, but it's been a it's been a weird thing where normally like I really crave my own space and I want to be alone. And then I talk to my friends, you know, especially right now, I still want my space sometimes. But uh, I talk to my friends who live alone and they're like having a, I don't want to say a, a tough go at things, but certainly uh, it's different than having like a roommate, just someone to have a conversation with. I suppose that's one of the nice things that's mm-hmm. come out of this as well is I've been getting like phone calls from friends and family, mm-hmm. just like randomly checking in just to see what's yeah. going on and I think that's been a really nice thing but living alone I'm sure would be a different a different animal entirely so my friends that live alone are either constantly on Instagram posting and, and talking on there or they're um, FaceTiming constantly on mm-hmm. Instagram or Zoom or whatever the fuck you know or going out on hikes and walks a lot just to get anything different than being feeling even if you're not locked in your apartment or house feeling like you're isolated and locked alone and like you've yeah. got nowhere to go so i don't know yeah with the roommates a lot different we have a lot of fun we're also you know we're not at each other's throats but there are some days where i'm like all right dude i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go over here and do my thing yeah you do yours and you know we'll we'll uh we'll meet together at the end of the day mm-hmm. but yeah what about you jd any uh um i uh I actually feel like this is a weird time to talk about. It. I I feel very. Uh, it's the best time to talk about it. Guilty. <laughs> I actually feel guilty in a lot of ways because um, this pandemic has sparked in me like a new wave of like excitement. I know this is like a very hard and turbulent time for a lot of people, and it is financially. It's a turbulent time for me as well. 
But um, I, uh, I was like in kind of like a dark-ish space right before it started, which is like, like not like, oh man, I'm not doing enough. I'm not going to enough mm-hmm. things. I'm not doing enough. Like we work out at the same gym, not going to the gym enough, like just doing these home workouts. And now it's like, oh, now the home workout is all you have. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, well, so my schedule actually in terms of like, you know, uh, my ability to audition for parts and like my, my work schedule changed. But in terms of like my fitness, it's like, okay, well, now it's almost like the world has taken a reset. And so I'm using that time as a reset to like try to create like a baseline of new habits. And so I feel guilty because like, oh, this is a very dire and terrible time. It's also so incredibly elitist because uh, I'm trying to learn how to play guitar uh, on this app. And it's like, man, I, I think about like people that don't have like access to technologies and stuff like that. For a lot of people, like we think of, it's like, Oh, you know, none of us is super well off, but we all have like Hulu or Netflix or Amazon or whatever thing. And it's like, man, imagine if you are a, like, you have a family of like three kids that you're trying to raise and you don't have those things. You know what I mean? Like, what a terribly elitist way to feel. Like, oh yeah, I get to press the reset button. And mm-hmm. by press the reset button, I mean, I get to watch the television shows I've been meaning yeah. to watch and learn how to play guitar and do yeah. like workouts and stuff like that at home. And it's like, so I feel in that regard, I do feel guilty. Um, but for me personally, I've just used it as a time to like, I'm trying to, I've not been great on this point, but a big thing for working out at the gym, uh, legacy Burbank, uh, Shout out. by Alberto Crane, uh, Ayo. amazing gym. Uh, Matt, is you know he's essentially he's working there now because he goes so often and we started there at the same time and like for the last several months i've just been so inconsistent and then absent entirely Mm -hmm. and it's not from lack of love of the gym it's literally just like my own like kind of like uh anxious sensibilities kind of keeping me at home and one of the big things is like that I'll fall back to on my laurels is like, oh, like I stayed up until three last night because of like closing the bar or something like that. Yeah. I can't. And then I'll wake up and try to go to a 10 a.m. jujitsu. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just so tired. It's just difficult to do. Man. Just, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, but it's got a few hours of sleep. It's and... something that I have done before, you know. And so, but now it's but like. But feasibly to do that every single week. Yeah. To maintain a schedule, that's difficult. So, yeah. but the idea is that like, okay, well, trying to get into a like a rhythm, of, you know, and when things start back up. I'm just like, okay, well, this is going to be my new schedule. This is like, this is how I will proceed with, that's like one aspect of like my life that I know I can improve and like make better, you know? And so, but I get the advantage at this point in my life of like, oh, well, it's not just a personal reset. It's like all of us are going to have a reset, you know? So it's a, it's a weird feeling that I've had to deal with, like going from like kind of being glum and like, you know, maybe a little bit more introvert. I'm, I always consider myself like a pretty good split between uh, an introvert and an extrovert. They say that the, those expressions are like, where do you get your, where do you recharge your batteries, you know? And I feel like I truly do. Like I can recharge my batteries hanging out with like 10 of our friends, like, you know, like fucking around or something like that. If 10 of us were go to Vegas, I'd be like, I would get done with that weekend and I'll be like, Oh, I'm ready to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. And likewise, it's like if I were to get in my truck and go drive to, you know, fucking uh, a campground or something like that and just like 
listen to a podcast by myself mm-hmm. or something, uh, I feel like I've erred more towards the one just like by myself in my, you know, in my apartment. And now like all of us are in that. So it's like a thing where that whole experience is like, I, I'm getting this weird thing where like, oh, now everyone is kind of in that I was in a self quarantine and now the whole world is in a quarantine. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, it's like, I feel like, okay, well, well, I'll just come out of it. It's like, I feel like I'm uh, like behind enemy lines. I'm like, I'm just going to come out of this with them. Like, well, like, yeah. yeah, that quarantine was terrible. <laughs> that was rough. Good thing we all came out of that together and then just hope that the, the yeah. quarantine police are like, hey, 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 you were self quarantining before yeah. this. So. Yeah, and I hear you. But you'll never catch me quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> never. Not ever. Um, but yeah, so that's how my, my experience is. I, I'm. I'm very i'm very well aware that it is like kind of an elite uh like thing to be doing but i am using what tools and like finances that i have available to like you know pay for programs that are like i got masterclass and i got uh, a music training app so now i'm just literally watching these masterclasses like these well done videos of like teaching you stuff uh about any fucking subject you want and then uh, learning guitar. And those are both things that I spent money on. And I'm just like, all right, so these are the things I'm going to be doing now. And then that go. on top of like having TV shows and mm-hmm. uh, some dumbbells and stuff. And it's like, all right, I can, there you go, man. I can yeah. hit a whole bunch of like not gain knowledge, uh, maintain anyway, some kind of strength and cardio and learn, you know, and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of practice some kind of art. Yeah. So, what about you, Matt? Have you uh, picked up anything during this uh, shutdown? Or I have. I had. Um, I was at kind of a frustrating point in my jujitsu um, experience, where I was getting really frustrated. I'm practicing a little over a year, like three to six hours a week at least. So probably like three to ten hours a week. I was getting after it pretty consistently. Uh, working for that blue belt, you know, just doing everything I can. And I was already in kind of a frustrated place where I was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say plateaued, but I was more like stuck in between like a, a ledge and a rock where I couldn't figure out which direction to go. So I was kind of, I hope that analogy makes sense or metaphor makes sense, but I was kind of stuck in this position and uh, uh, getting a little frustrated. And then after that, or after this whole pandemic thing happened and I just was forced to sit at home and the only access to jiu-jitsu I have, which has been my obsession over the last year, has been online. And Educational so videos, yeah. I've been like diving in and, you know, watching a couple of like live instructional videos with some of the coaches at Legacy. Shout out Coach Joe. Another uh, shout out. Yeah, hey. shout out. I shouted out while you were in the restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Hell yeah. Uh, well, the whole crew at Legacy has been oh, awesome. Like yeah. just volunteering to do videos. They're working on like a virtual school too, mm-hmm. where they're uploading instructionals as well that you can watch, not just live classes. Uh, but I dove into like, uh, I have like a Gregor Gracie video, a Lachlan Giles video, like different strategies and different games. But after two weeks of like just kind of diving through and like watching some of these Facebook Live videos, especially with Joe, um, uh, it started to click in my head like the game and the paths and how you hit certain roadblocks. For some reason, I don't know what it was, like I understood the concept. But for some reason, things just really aligned and clicked after like a week or two of just like watching videos and discussing and kind of just like being able to not, not being able to physically um, produce what I've been learning, but just like chewing on it with my mind mm-hmm. allowed me to see 
a lot more. And so that's all I've been doing, actually. Taking a step like, backward. Yeah. Three steps forward. Yeah. It, it really opened up a lot for me. So outside of that, I've been, you know, I've been learning about the human body a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Becoming a Supple Leopard by Kelly Starrett is a great book. I started reading uh, Ken Follett. People um, that know Matt from previous things, he's like now moving into a position where he's going to like start like essentially has already started like physical like personal training and stuff. I would love to, yeah, and that's you know something I was really starting to work towards um, before this. I was actually slacking a little bit before this um, with the bar closing and everything, but uh, but now yeah. you get to come out of the quarantine. Oh man, this self quarantine is over. Yeah. Oh, f- Lord, Jeez. all of us together. Yeah. No, really. I mean, that's what yeah. I mentioned earlier is like on an individual basis, like trying to turn this into opportunity and oh, learn yeah. as much as I can. So I've been reading a lot, watching a lot of TV too, yeah. and drinking more than I should, smoking a lot more weed. But, <laughs> <laughs> but jujitsu videos and reading and. Jerking uh, off too much. That's awesome. I keep on. Uh, <laughs> I keep on planning on how to rob a bank. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I dabbled yeah. in some crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Definitely been definitely been microdosing the mushrooms a little bit. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, which yeah. yeah, that has been um, just like allegedly actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's been cool. Just trying to appreciate outside. No idea what's going on out there. Um, no, that's awesome though, man. That's you're great on the that top you're doing floor. Yeah. <laughs> Are we on the top floor? No, no, we're we're on the bottom floor. Oh, is there a, is there another one? Yeah, there, there's oh. one. Ab- uh, we're technically the bottom. It's the one above us, and then underneath us is the parking garage. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you can be as loud as you want, kind of. Hundred oh. um, percent. But yeah, that's freaking funny though, man. That's really cool. But, no, I love that. Actually, I I you saying that as far as um, you haven't been able to apply the technique, but you have just been like focusing and like pretty much memorizing the the the, yeah. the, 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 the technique yeah, uh, the sequences. entire time. Yeah. Reminded me of a quote. Um, which I'm sure you guys have heard this a thousand times. Um, it was from Abraham Lincoln, and it was, uh, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I will spend f- the first four hours sharpening the axe. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's just, it's oh, exactly what oh, what it is, man. That's it's an it's, amazing. it's amazing oh, yeah, quote. It's amazing great, quote. I've not heard that one. Really? Yeah. No, yeah. I've it's, not heard that Amazing before. quote, dude. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a good one. Yeah. Don't but, uh, so, <laughs> there you go, dude. Um, but, yeah, just kind of uh, play off We're of that. still not talking about jerking off. Is that what... Yeah, everyone did that's, it. We all know Abraham Lincoln talking yeah. about jerking off. Right? Two weeks ago, really? Pornhub. What did you guys see? Wait, is that a thing? Are you kidding? <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, Pornhub Premium for free for two weeks. You sign up no during this COVID nineteen. Right now, yeah, they, even, they started it for COVID. Even they're getting. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that was awesome. What are we even doing here? <laughs> Who are you? Dude, that's a thing though, really? Damn. That's All right. Porn I, I, I kept talking about it until I signed up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's man. fucking awesome, dude. Not Thank bad. you, Pornhub. Yeah. For giving back. Dude, Pornhub is quietly like a really cool like social media platform. Oh, for sure. Like, it's weird how like I don't know, like, they're, like, very, like, they have, like, their hand on the pulse of a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know whoever runs the layout of the fucking Pornhub. Shout out to whoever you are, because, like, whatever... He's doing a, his job. Whenever <laughs> it's a holiday, whenever it's, like, they, they always, it's like, like, Martin Luther King Day, it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> I don't care what it is. These motherfuckers have a different layout every time. It's like, like, Merry Christmas. Is it like Google court. when you go to Google's webpage? Straight it's up, like it's Valentine's Day. Exactly same thing. It's a search engine for things that I need in my life. I'm trying to gain 
joy and knowledge. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh like, I'm going to Google yeah. fucking the oh, next best man. workout. That's why I look up. a picture of Tim Kennedy just <laughs> overlooking you as you're jerking off. Oh, Saluting dude. you as you do That's God's awesome. work. That's right. It's American flag. That's right. Yeah. Around. I'm just saying. That's Damn, right, dude. It's my God given <laughs> right. Yeah. Whoever is. That's uh, fucking hilarious. Whoever is running that, they're doing an excellent job. I feel hey, silly being the only one that knew that in this group. Don't I feel, feel silly. So You're silly. a giver yeah. of knowledge right yeah. now. Thank you. And anyone he listening, it's probably Abraham Lincoln <laughs> And you came back with something way better. Way better, dude. Yeah. Fuck Abraham Lincoln. Dude, what? Yeah. They're scoring. Suck my dick, Abe. <laughs> anyone listening to this podcast is going to pause it at this moment, <laughs> and they're going to go and subscribe for two weeks free. <laughs> so, you're welcome. <laughs> oh my That's God. fucking hilarious, dude. Oh. That's so good. Can we cheers to that? That was awesome. It was really cool. That was fucking slash, you guys. Cheers. Ah, so going off of uh, the G uh, Jiu Jitsu thing, um, uh, I you know I had that tournament before um, this whole thing shut down, and I had that rib in- uh, that rib injury, and uh, it's so funny you guys were saying as far as like you felt like um, there was like a, a personal setback, but really it was the world being set back. There was um, leading into the uh, the whole shutdown and everything else, and as far as like the gym still being open, I wasn't able to go practice because I just I couldn't my rib, so I'm fucked up, and. Um, so leading into that, there was a little bit of insecurity in me where I was kind of frustrated. I was like, dude, my, I want to get better. I want to work on what I fucked up like during this tournament, but I'm not able to go actually compete. And then now the whole world got shut down. So like that thought did cross my mind where it was the, holy fuck, dude, like, you know, not only am I sidelined, but the whole world sidelined. So there is really isn't much more because I want to rematch. So that was motherfuckers that in that tournament I do I really want to rematch um, I thought about changing weight categories not going to do it I'm going to continue losing weight um, so I'll be the lighter guy in the uh, division but I'm not I want to rematch I want to set everything back uh, but yeah so just kind of going off what you guys were saying like it did kind of set me back in that sense and then this whole thing happening that quarantine is I not to interrupt you but it's no, got to been it has to be excellent for your recovery too to be honest yeah because I have yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I have a that's fair I Pulled a uh, hamstring uh, during a soccer game that I was playing mm-hmm. in the tournament. Or not a tournament, but a... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was actually. Uh, a tournament of sorts. It was two, two games leading into like the full tournament that my league does. And I pulled my hamstring on the uh, in the second game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then took one week off and then played the next week. Repulled it again. I was gonna say, like, and then and now it's like, around. and so it's now I've like been forced that that soccer league is shut down. Couldn't you know? Like I was like, I'm gonna go back to like I had a date in my brain for whenever I was gonna go back to Legacy, and I was like, ah, I pulled my hamstring. Maybe I shouldn't go back right now. And then Legacy's closed, soccer things closed. So now it's just like, okay, well, I guess that and now it's done wonders for mm-hmm. my lug head. Trying to like, like yeah. who would probably find ways to try to push myself and yeah. be doing it. So like recovering from injuries, and then once you are recovered, like being able to like these are the times whenever you can. Everyone just like what you said, everyone's stall, stalled right now. Where none of us can like, unless you own a gym, can like be going and attending yeah. like classes and gyms and stuff. So the best thing that you could be doing is looking at videos, educational videos of any Every, kind, not just with mm-hmm. martial arts, but of any kind. Uh, and then sharpening your axe when it comes to, like, your physical fitness. Mm-hmm. And, like, man, if there's a time, I mean, if you've been talking about, like, looking for time to get in shape, just like what I was saying with, like, trying to 
build a baseline of like what you want your schedule. What do you want your schedule to look like when the world goes back play? to play? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. if the world is pressed pause right now, get all of your ducks in a row so that whenever it's pressed play, it's like so now all you're doing is adding work back in, and it's mm-hmm. like okay, yeah. And so try to make it so that obviously yeah. try to make it so that your schedule, whatever the extracurriculars that you're doing, like oh I'm gonna work out at this time. Obviously, make sure that your workout isn't happening at the same time as what your work hours are. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Even if it's just, oh, every Saturday I go to the gym. Well, I was off on Saturdays anyway. Yeah, but you weren't tired from work on those Saturdays. So now, and like those first few hikes that you go on on those first few Saturdays are going to take a lot more out of you yeah. than if you get a baseline of whenever you go back to work, the week was gonna is gonna, still going to take that toll on you, but still on Saturdays are your hike day or whatever, you yeah. know, like those kinds of examples. Like if you can... Just like what you said with sharpening the axe. Like these moments are the times whenever you can continue sharpening mm-hmm. your specific axe before you go back into like playing with others. Or yeah. Whatever, you know? I kind of feel as if my uh, my sleep cycle has actually gone to the shitter. Because <laughs> totally. I mean, <laughs> I mean when I, I have, yeah. So, you, like we're not expending oh the God, same amount dude. of calories. Like yeah. you, you drive for a living too. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah, driving yeah. around all the time. Yeah. Which so, is like, nice as far as not working because the mileage of my truck is not increasing. Um, to kind of give you, uh, you listeners, an idea, within the one year, I put in 20,000 miles on my truck. So, Holy shit, really? Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. That's the reaction I was looking for. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot of driving. The average is 12, 10 to 12,000. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know. Uh-huh. You're right. Um, so, yeah. So, to kind of give you an idea. So, it's been nice. It has been nice. Um, but, um, oddly enough, I fucking miss it, dude. Like, I just, I think I just miss having that purpose. And I think that's what... because it's, it's a good-looking truck. It is a nice-looking truck. good-looking man. Uh, <laughs> we pair well together. My truck and I and Achilles in the back, you know, it just kind of goes away. It kind of kind of just goes together. But, um, but yeah, so as far as, like, my sleep cycle, dude, in the shitter. I'm oh, usually cool. up around, when I was working, 7.30, 8.30, I was, like, sleeping in. Now I fucking wake up at, like, 10.00. And I roll right back to sleep. My fuck it. What do I have to wake up for? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to get up and clean something in my apartment. And I'm going to go take this guy out. By this guy, I mean Achilles. And then I'm going to go right back to just sitting on the couch or looking up something online that is kind of pointless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, so in that sense, I I am eager to get back because it, I do, I am that kind of person that I kind of need structure. I need that. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I thrive on that. Like, I get the best version of Derek Lee Ramsey when I have a little bit of structure in my life. I think that's most people. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's fair. I think it's an out. I think I think it's an outlier of a personality trait to like thrive in chaos. I think that mm. most people that would consider themselves like, oh, I love it whenever like life is just spontaneous and I don't know what it's like. Mm. If you want. Especially if you're looking for a linear progression in anything, mm-hmm. like you're if you're saying yeah, accomplishing goals, yeah, yeah. If you are goal oriented. Unless you're just like, because yeah, this thing happens in acting all the time, right? Like, like there's like there's the way where it's like you hit the you hit the pavement all the time. You're dropping off resumes all the time. You're like trying to talk to casting directors all the time, and then there's you know, I operated like this secondary way uh, for a long time, where it's like you just are going to every audition like, and you're swinging. You're throwing an overhand right, just hoping that you're going to you like, hit something. That you hit the big break, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's like so that's thriving in chaos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's the tried and true like 
like working towards a progression of like a baseline of where you want to be. Yeah. And then uh, obviously as everything is, is a fractal and then like, Oh, well the next bait, like once you reach that baseline, you're going to realize like, Oh, there's a still, there's another stair to get up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just structure is like, I think a very important thing. If you're trying, if you are looking to achieve a goal, mm-hmm. it's like important to have like, Oh, I wake up at this time. I do this. I do this. Mm-hmm. I do this. By the end of the day, I've done this. These are the checklists. Yep. You know, you can miss one or two every once in a while, but this is how the world operates. Yeah, spontaneity rarely achieves goals. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a fun way to. be. It is a fun way to be on the sure weekends. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. On the weekends, it's fun. But even then, um, if you're working, sorry, oh, it's a whole other tangent. But yeah. no, just like I mean, going on that, uh, just a little bit off of that is like being spontaneous and. Living by the, yeah. you know, obviously that's not an option right now, but when, even when it was, it's a really fun way to experience as much as you can. Yeah. For and I know we all kind of are closing out or have closed out our 20s as we approach this new decade of our lives in mm-hmm. our early 30s. Uh, but I feel like that, I could equate a lot of my 20s to just like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Like spontaneity, mm-hmm. like experiencing as much as possible, taking in as much as possible. But then, especially in these last like four or five years, I'm 30 now, we're 31 in August. Um, these last like three or four or five years, I've really realized that if I want to accomplish anything that I have in my mindset as an ideal, then I have to, I don't want to say buckle down, but I have to let go of some of the spontaneity and stick to more of a regimented schedule. Mm-hmm. And I, as you said, I feel the same way as I operate a lot better under a structure, under a schedule. Like I assign myself classes. Yeah. So, all right, you know, Tuesday and Thursday, or Tuesday from 1 to 2, and Thursday from 11 to 12, there's a, a 11 a.m. class. Shout out Joe again at Legacy. His <laughs> Facebook class is dope. Um, but then I spend the two hours before or two hours after studying other jujitsu stuff. Mm-hmm. So now I have a three-hour time block twice a week where I'm studying jujitsu. And, like, if you look at college colleges, generally that's the way they structure their classes, either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday. right? And just kind of taking that framework and building to accomplish my goals in that way, even if it's reading one book, like, okay, I'm going to read this one book for an hour on, you know, Mondays and Fridays. Cool. Like, assigning that structure allows me to accomplish a lot more goals. And I feel mm-hmm. good, even if it's accomplishing a fictional book like I'm reading right now or, or whatever little goal it yeah, is. for sure. If I can accomplish that goal, I feel good and it builds up mm-hmm. this kind of snowball effect where you start yeah. tackling larger goals yeah. more and more. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson talks about that. Jordan Peterson oh, talks about making your bed. Making your bed. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, what yeah, I was going to say. I love that. Like the, the idea of like, oh, making your bed is, uh, is like the first, the first thing that you do in the beginning of the day, like to make your bed. And it's like you've, you've accomplished this task, like way to go. And it's like, and for some people, Jordan furthers that point by saying, it's like, for some people, like, that is the easiest thing in the world. What are you talking about? Make my bed. Like, I make my bed. But if you come from, like, a broken home, and, like, you know, like, there's a lot, like, like he he'd used the, he describes, like, a situation, like, a scenario where, like, if you live in a home where it's, like, it's kind of, like, uh, a dynamic or, like, kind of, like, dangerous even, like, situation, like, if a little boy or a little girl is, like, making their bed and then, like, the family like trashes the bed because it's a violent situation or something like that. And then, but like then the little girl or little boy like makes the bed again. And it's like, that's the one thing that you control is like, I control Uh the state of this bed. And from this making the bed, I can control the state of so many other things in my existence. Mm -hmm. And like, so just something as simple as like, and Nagel 
you know, like generals like and stuff like that have said the exact same thing. Like, make your bed. Like, mm-hmm. wake up, make your bed. It is the first victory that you experience right after waking up. And then from that, that can be the seed by which you accomplish a whole bunch of other things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I 100% agree with that. Like, yeah. I... I I didn't come from a household where that was like a mandatory thing. Yeah. But that was just some same. Yeah. yeah, Same. Uh, But that was something that I, um, I like it. I like the look of what, you know, like, like making your bed. I enjoy walking to my room and just bed is done. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it just, it just looks better. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's some sort of accomplishment accomplishment for sure. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I feel the same way about my entire living space. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk about, Snapping on John a little bit, and that's really just because of that idea. You know, we, we love you, John. I, mean, I love you, Doc. Yeah, you know, we all keep on bringing you up, John. <laughs> you fucking guys are tense at home. No, no, but like that, it's the same thing. It's like I have that kind of sense of like, all right, like you know, if I come home from like today, like I will likely get home before him, or even if I don't, like I like to, I like coming home and seeing my living space organized mm-hmm. and not to a T I'm not like uptight about cleaning up dust and things like that but just having things like organized and structured into a way that when I come home I don't feel like I'm coming home to chaos mm-hmm. or like madness or if I need something I know it's going to be there and that mm-hmm. kind of thing and I do think that kind of militaristic approach or yeah. the way that mi- the military in this country traditionally has done it I think that's awesome yeah. for me personally yeah. that works really well to have some structure that I implement not necessarily being implemented upon me, yeah, but something that I can kind of organize or take from and adapt to my own sense. Absolutely. I mean, what's that old expression? Um, a cluttered workspace is a cluttered mind. Ooh. That kind of plays into that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever tried to fix something when you have a workspace? Is just everything's just chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's like where the fuck did I put the the screwdriver or the yeah. hammer? Like, yeah. it's just oh. it makes things. It's just an, it's just it's an extra obstacle that you have to overcome in order to finishing your task. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like, it just makes no sense. Um, especially with um, a living situation, I've now the one thing I will say um, I wasn't forced as far as like my mother wasn't big on like hey make your bed every morning, but she was big on the house needs to be clean mm-hmm. like and um, I come from a single parent household and I was raised by my mother, um, so there are a lot of things that I picked up. Not to sound sexist, but my mother was really big on cleanliness as opposed to if I was raised by a father. I probably would have more skills on the mechanics or just like fixing things. My mother wasn't big on fixing things, so she didn't teach me that. But she taught me how to fucking clean up a kitchen, how to clean a restroom, how to look for things where like, hey, you see that little smudge over there in that corner? Yeah, that does not need to be there. Like you need to fucking fix that right now. So uh, and my mother was always big on, listen, when you're – she would always say this. Um, when, when you're older and you have your own place and you have a woman come over, you want her to feel comfortable. By feeling comfortable, you need to have a clean environment. And she's, she would always like really talk about the restroom. The restroom was like her thing. Mm-hmm. Like the restroom needs to be spotless, Derek. Like you see the smudge on the side of the toilet, like on the back end of the toilet, doesn't need to be there. Women see that kind of like they, they see that. Maybe it was just my mom that saw that. I don't know. Um, but because of that, I like to think of myself as a very clean, clean person. I just yeah. I'm programmed that that way. I probably can't. You know, change your alternator in your car, but I can clean the fuck out of your kitchen. Like I, yeah. I'm sure, I, I, yeah. I've done it. I've yeah, done it. But yeah. you know, um, but anyways, like the point that I'm making is just like um, a, a clean environment is a healthy environment. I think. You know what I mean? What's that old? Uh, I hate to say this again, but old expression: um, clean, cleanliness is next to godliness or something. Like, yeah. yeah, like yeah. that's that's a thing, man. It really is. Like I think better when I'm in an environment that's clean, organized. 
And it's not that... Um, but there is no God, so cleanliness is next to nothing. That's right. Um, <laughs> all about science, baby. Um, uh, but the, the point that I was making is like just Americans. that... <laughs> the point that I was making, though, is that, um, is that whenever I'm in an environment that's clean, it's not that um, the environment itself helps me think clearly. It's that my brain isn't distracted by things that are disorganized. Right. I'm not looking at, like, hey, that doesn't need to be there. That, that needs to be cleaned or... Oh, I've been meaning to clean the dishes, but they're still in the sink. Like those are all things that weigh on you. You know it what I mean? Distraction. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So uh, during this whole stay-at-home thing, my apartment has never been cleaner. <laughs> it's never been cleaner, dude. I was actually just bragging about this earlier to Matt when he came in. When we finish the podcast, I'll show you. I cleaned the fuck out of my oven, dude. Like I'm talking about just spotless, dude. Like it's shining right brand now. Brand new. Oven. You got a brand new oven. Brand new Seriously. oven. I pulled the entire stove out of the wall and I cleaned yeah. behind it as well. Nice. Never done that before. Yeah. Uh, cleaned my entire shower. Like, I mean, not saying it was dirty before, but I really like went to town yeah. on it. You know what I mean? Sure. So, um, yeah, dude, just trying to find things to do during this time where all I have is time. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And I know watching shows and all that's been great. And I caught up on a couple of uh, shows. And one of my favorite ones as of late has been um, Better Call Saul. Mm, I haven't watched the show. Breaking Bad's my favorite show of all time. Uh, if you liked it, you'll like Better Call Saul. Yeah. I re- I caught up. I'm as of up, up until yesterday or Sunday because the, the newest episode came out on Sunday. Um, I'm caught up officially, and it is a damn good show. Yeah, pretty fucking good. I'm not gonna overhype it, but it's it, it, it's worth your while. Bob Odenkirk. Um, yeah, dude. Fucking. You know he was a comedian. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Yeah. I watched a couple of his old stand-up bits. Not yeah. very great, but. Uh-huh. Amazing as Saul Goodman. Oh man, he's, he's a Saul. very good actor. Very good. Met him one time at Jerry's Deli. Did you really? Yeah, he walked up to me and goes, "Excuse me, I'm trying to get a table. Um, can you help me out?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, right over there, dude. It was in my station." So I was like, "Sit over there." He it was it was there with his family. So I served his table once. Was he on Breaking Bad at that? He was on Breaking Bad oh, at the time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So it was a packed thing. night too, man. On a Friday night, uh, Saturday night, packed, and he just walked right up to me because he's fucking. Um, yeah, exactly. He's on Breaking Bad. Of course he did. Of course he did. Strong name. Strong Bob name. Odenkirk. Oh yeah, for sure. What's the origin of that last name? What would you guess? I don't know. I've heard of this guy Odin before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yeah, Odenkirk. Yeah, but uh, but that show's been great, and um, a little Dicky, uh, his show Dave. Dave has been pretty good too. Uh, dude, I haven't seen that. Who has all of the FX shows? Which means that uh, they've got. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, watched the movie Ex Machina. I've not, but I, I know the ending, which is why I don't. Only reason why I haven't That's watched one, it. Dude. That's a good one. Yeah. That movie is incredible. It, it, yeah. Even if I know the ending, should I still oh, watch it? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, what it speaks to. Sorry to yeah. jump in on no, that. No, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. To, to uh, what it discusses as far as like artificial right. intelligence. I feel like the experience of the movie is um, way more important than the ending. Oh, that's incredible. Okay. Yeah, the uh, ending is just that, yeah. Alex Garland is the director, and he uh, he directed another movie with um, Natalie Portman called Annihilation, and then... Uh, that movie's good. And then he directed this show called Devs, which is on FX, which is now on Hulu. So if you've not watched... If you didn't know this, if you have a Hulu subscription, all the FX shows are on there, and that show is on there, and I watched the first episode of that, and it's wild and trippy and strange and uh, should be, if you like those other two movies, yeah. should be up your alley. And then uh, Atlanta, um, Donald, Glover's, Donald Glover's show, Emmy nominated. It's like the first I'm hearing of it. Uh, 
Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know the... Am I, like, out so, of the loop right no, now? No, no, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a <laughs> you gave me a look, no, like, no, no. really? You fucking... Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know, actually, how often they're making the show. I don't oh, know okay. if it's still running or if it's done or if they... Because I haven't heard anyone talk about it in a little while, but it's okay. Donald Glover's show. Like, he wrote and, like... Had a lot to do with the production of it, and it's uh-huh. about a like Atlanta-based rapper or maybe like a rap group. I okay. haven't watched the show. It's just oh, like okay. one of the, it's one of the things right. where I'm like, I know want to catch up on the show kind of is like yeah. I want to start it and like you know get going on it because Don mm-hmm. Glover is a, a talent crush of mine. I think that dude's amazing. Oh, he's a, yeah for sure. So, uh, but you know, there's whole sorts of pieces of television and mm-hmm. art to catch up on. You know, yeah, that's a great time to do it as well. I got gotcha. you. In between. When you should be learning and uh, getting a baseline of your fitness and stuff. Well, down. dude, there's only so much time that you can spend on that, though, right? Like, let's be honest. That's what here. I mean. Is yeah, yeah exactly. Only you so spend much time an hour can... and a half or two hours on your fitness, and then like an hour. That's of... more than enough time if you're doing it right. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing it right, and fucking then... 45 minutes, really, you can get a killer workout. And in. just like what Matt said, like you know, reading, like you know, take a couple hours a week to read a book, or three mm-hmm. hours, or four hours, or how much time. Like if yeah. you love the book, then obviously finish a book a day if you can. Yeah, not if you can. Yeah. But you know, but. That's art as well, you know, like yeah. be also like downloading some art, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. like processing and feeling. And I think that the biggest thing is like also like processing the art, like, yeah. like yeah, how yeah. does it affect you and that kind of thing, you know, uh-huh. I think that's the one thing that gets taken away in this binge culture is like the idea of like sitting with a piece of something. I you understand know what, what you're saying. It's like, yeah. oh, on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. But I haven't like, felt that way you... since Better Call Saul, actually. Yeah. What uh, about? As far as like sitting and waiting, because uh, like I watched uh, last week's episode and I had the whole week to really process that. And um, I'm not going to ruin anything because I'm assuming you plan on eventually I, yeah, watching I'd it. Like to watch it. Um, it's a good show. And um, and again, I haven't experienced. I mean, Ozark recently came out, right? Killed that in a weekend. Fuck, I need to watch and that too. now, but now here I am processing season three until they release and film <clears throat> season four. Yeah. But with Better Call Saul. The episode just came out on Sunday, and I'm waiting for the fire stick to pick it up because, you know, I got that fire stick, baby. And, uh, yeah, so I, I know what you mean, man. Like, that's so what I'm saying is, is that Amazon that, fire stick that is something that all of us have, and Derek is not doing anything illegal with it. Nothing at all. Uh, I'm not illegally streaming fights either. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, Derek! Uh, <laughs> did I just out myself? Uh, <laughs> it's the Pope Pope. Um, yeah, but like like I was saying, it's just um, that was the first time that I experienced that weight, that weight and that thought of like sitting with the episode and sitting for the next seven days and really analyzing what the fuck did I just see, what's going to happen. Every episode always ends with a cliffhanger, right? Because they want you to see the next one or they want you to at least wait for the next one. Um, so yeah, man, like that was something that was almost foreign to me up until this last Sunday or a week ago. So I'm not a fan of that. I'd rather watch a Binge season it? of something. I'm totally into that. But I also chew on it, I guess. I mean, mm. based on the way Josh described it, your assumption is that a lot of people don't chew on it for long. They just move on to the next show or the next thing. Whereas I feel like after watching a, a season of something or, or a couple of episodes, like I chew on that for a while. But I like having the complete picture to really analyze rather than thinking about what could be or what could happen. I'd rather just see the way it plays out. And then I'll kind of like discuss from there like different ideas of where I think 
they could have gone, or like as far as like the plot goes, like even different directions. Like even go. if you like what you're talking about, like yeah, I, I shouldn't have said binge because that you implies don't like the binge culture, bro. No, I get no, it. no, no, no. I shouldn't <laughs> How have said dare binge you, Josh because Davis. that implies that I'm talking about like watching just like busting out like five or six or ten episodes of a show or whatever, and I've done that like uh, a couple times actually, two major times in my life I've binged an entire show, uh, and. What I should say is like the idea of like when you are done with that show, just starting the next thing right away. Yeah, the accessibility to the next show gotcha. without talking about like because if you're not watching, like this is the cool thing about like watching a show with people is that mm-hmm. then you like talk like it's like blah 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 yeah, blah, blah, dude. blah 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 and it's like why does it affect you the way that it does? Yeah. Why did you like that? Why did you not yeah. like that? Blah blah blah. Those are the things, like, that's what art exists to do. Like, I mean, you feeling it personally is great, but I think the next step as a, we are all artists and we're all, like, critics and we're all of these things, like, you should be speaking about it and you should be practicing your intellectual, like, capacity to have, like, constructive conversations with, like, Mm. your fellow, like, humans about this thing. Like, oh, you've experienced this art? It's the same thing as, like, you know, if you go to an art museum and you look at, like, a whole bunch of paintings and, like, oh, like... I just made that comparison uh, not too long ago with uh, with movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've noticed that for the longest time, I don't know why, and I don't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I don't know why, but for the longest time, I always viewed um, movies as my, not my artistic expression, but that's how I view art. Like, that's where I receive everything that the director and the actors are trying mm-hmm. to give me. No. But I never viewed that as a as an art form. Does that make sense? It was almost like I was jaded Mm. or unless it was a piece of music or a painting, I, it wasn't art. It was just a movie. Mm. And it wasn't up until the last, I want to say recent, like very recent, like within the last year that I really fully buckled down and accepted it as art. Then this is art. It may not be a painting, a Picasso or a Vincent Van Gogh, or it may not be fucking, uh, John Williams or or, or uh, uh, Hans Zimmer or whatever the fuck his name is, mm-hmm. um, but it is how I view art, and it's where I can sit back and I can fully embrace everything that the director is trying to show me. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I receive everything, and it isn't up until recently that I really started to like embrace that whole mindset and that whole thing. And I made that exact same analogy recently. Like I was like, dude, like. I feel like it was almost during this quarantine where I really was like watching a movie. I, I was re-watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. and it was like I was just picking up things oh, and I was like, man, it's yeah. a great, great that's fucking a, movie as well. It's a perfect example of like what – like the thing that we're talking about is like because Quentin Tarantino is – he's a Van Gogh of cinema. You know what I mean? Like that's his, fair. Like yeah. there's so many strokes. There's so many wild things. Like he's mm-hmm. very sexy. There's like sexy like – curves to a whole bunch of and the like, third act is always really violent and yeah. just like i mean yeah he oh it, my god yeah i just mean like the way that he structures the I, shots I see, of like the shots of it like the reason that film is amazing and it is like the major export essentially of our country um is like one of the major exports is because like uh it, it's something that we do really well like we we make these movies that it is the combina- film is the combination of everything. It is the combination mm-hmm. of like you need someone to make the shot look good. You need someone to write a story so that these beautiful actors are saying beautiful mm-hmm. words to each other. Like, oh, you are a very good actor and you're saying words that are very good and mm-hmm. the way that you like the way that they he- like someone who's overhearing the conversation, which we are in the audience, 
It's like, oh yes, I'm I'm captivated by what you're saying. I'm captivated the way you look. I'm captivated by the way the screen is capturing you. Mm-hmm. And then there's music in the background, and there's lighting that makes it's the combination of all things that make you feel like going into uh, an art museum and you look at the beautiful piece of art, and it's like they've got light and it's perfect and it's framed, and like on the wall is a piece of art, mm-hmm. and you visually can see this thing, and it's like <clears throat> the way that good film is, is like you should. Now being able to see and hear and like experience and like in motion these things, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that's why it, you know, it. For me, it's the best art form. Like in, in, coming I, from a stage, coming coming from yeah. a stage acting background, the one thing, the one piece that stage acting has not going for it is that uh, you can only do it for two hundred people at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah, Film. You do the exact same thing, shot on camera, and then you can show it a million times. You know, you can show it yeah. however many times until the DVD fucking falls mm-hmm. apart. You know, or the Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. I feel like those are the my most appreciated arts, right? Because many things can be a great many things can be considered art, but I think that when you look at the ones with the most complexity, with it's not just one or two or three different parts that make this beautiful piece of art. It starts with, uh, you know, when you're able to, when you can't put your finger on quite what makes something so great Mm -hmm. because they've done so many things well Mm -hmm. that you can't choose your favorite. In fact, those are my favorite pieces of art. And when you look at like uh, life as a whole, like I like to relate this to, it's just the thing that I know most of as me is uh, bars. And I feel like the greatest bars, the greatest... um, hospitality institutions are ones where it's not just that the service is really good or they know how to put the lighting Mm -hmm. or they know how to make drinks or how to make food or any of these one things is that they do so many things really well they take all these millions of different combinations of pieces of things and structure it in a way and then kind of highlight one part in particular like cocktails for example Mm -hmm. cocktails are a great example of like okay people come into Sunny's just to use us as an example, um, as people come in, they're like, oh my God, what is it about this place that's so good? Your old fashioned is so good. It's like, we don't do anything really all that crazy with our old fashioned. We have like a little bit of a twist on things that we do that makes it slightly different. But in general, it's not that cocktail that makes Sonny's great. And it's not just the service you're getting behind it or the explanation or the price point or the happy hour or anything in, in particular. It's how the owners and the people who have structured this thing, the managers and tried to create this piece of art, how they've taken all these different pieces and organized them in a way that you appreciate the whole piece and love so many little parts of it that you can't choose a favorite. So by the time that someone slides a drink in front of you, it's the best old fashioned you've ever had. Exactly. Yeah. And people always yeah. talk about that. There's a great, um, I read in some cocktail book, I wish I knew what it was right now, but my favorite quote of all time in, in cocktail books is, uh, the first sip you take is with your eyes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I over-dramatize yeah. um, that to, as a whole, as, as soon as you walk in the building, nay, as soon as you see the building mm-hmm. and you make that first initial impression, I mean, seeing the outside is like seeing the cover of a book, so you can kind of skip past that until you open the book and kind of enter the establishment. That's your initial setting. So if you walk in and have this kind of, you get the sense of smell and lighting and music and you see the way things are laid out and the way the decor is, even without a greeting, just when you walk in, if you have a certain, if that structures your mind 
to uh, narrow enough that you can kind of get an idea of what they're shooting for there, then all of a sudden you're sucked in. Yeah. And then everything yeah. that comes after that, even if it's just mediocre or just like slightly above mediocre, this place is going to be out of your out of your right. mind. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so amazing. You're going to love this piece of art so much. Yeah. So I think that is, to rewind it, that's where I might become the biggest fan of certain forms of art, whether it be in in food or cocktails or mm. movies or or paintings or whatever it yeah. is, is you can't quite put your finger on what it is. It's more of a feeling 100%. than anything else, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I've never been moved more um, by, a, by a painting than I have been by um, a, a song or a movie or mm. um, a, a food, for that matter. Like, I mean, there are certain dishes that I've had where I'm like, dude, this changed my, pers- my, my perspective on how this cuisine is supposed to be prepared. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's all um, artistic outlets. Or it's an artistic form. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what would you say, not to sum it up on one thing, but just one thing that comes to your mind if somebody asks you, hey, you're an artist, what would you say is your best artistic expression? As in like what you're good at where it will kind of sum up your skills as an artist. Like would it be martial arts, cocktails, um, recommending so i don't know Mm, that's a good question i feel like um a great artist is someone who knows how to use all the tools that are available to them Mm -hmm. to express what's going on inside of them to the rest of the world Mm. to be able to observe in some form whether it be visual or taste or sound Mm -hmm. or or whatever or a combination of those things um I'm sorry, remind me of your question. I got No, no, you're fine. Do it. No, you're good, man. Um, you're good. Yeah, so like what, what what's your uh like what what artistic expression would you say uh your uh best not best at, but like allows more, me to express the most. Exactly, exactly. Again, it doesn't have to be just be one thing, but like like if you said, Oh, I'm really great at fucking making a cup of coffee, like that doesn't sum you up, but that's like one expression where you you're really, really good at. You're very good at just expressing yourself. And this um, question goes to you as well, Joshua. What's the question? Uh, he was asking, like, uh, how, what, in what way do you express yourself the best, or what's your yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. way of expressing exactly. yourself? Like whether it's yeah. martial arts, making cocktails, cooking. Uh, I feel like it's conversation, man. Conversation. That's yeah, probably that's my fair. art form. Yeah, for sure. It's like how you can take a conversation and you know not just get to know someone, but if you're able to discuss. I don't want to say existential ideas or just ideas outside of your own immediate reality, then, I mean, that's the best way to go about it because then mm-hmm. we can jump into, you know, the it's, it's limitless. Mm-hmm. We can go anywhere, any which way with a, with a conversation. And so I think that's probably my favorite way to express myself artistically would be like in conversation with someone who's able to reciprocate in a way, like talking yeah. to you guys in a lot of ways. like Without being judgmental towards exactly. you. Exactly. Like, yeah, like if yeah. someone's afraid to go on the journey with you or like they're like... Uh, if they negate, you know what I mean? Like, if you negate the experience, like, if you're open to any kind of conversation, it's like, as weird or goofy or trivial as it might sound, and it's like, if you're open to it, then the multiverse is possible. You know what I mean? You can exactly. talk about anything. You yeah. know what I mean? But, any- anything is possible. Literally right. anything yeah, is exactly. possible. I mean, you can... A good conversation can be anything. You know I mean? You guys are the, you're the gods of your own construct. You know what I mean? Right. Which I think taking that and applying it to your own life is mm-hmm. equally as valuable or more valuable, right? If you understand that idea that 
if you don't, if you try your best to be, to not judge things on surface value, but to actually approach them and try to understand the structure and the history behind an idea or a concept, whether it be, you know, martial arts or, you know, uh, Republican opinions, whatever, whatever that thing is, if you can dive into that without a judgmental, um, point of view and just absorb it for what it is and then be able to discuss that with someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, that's how we turn on the world, man. Yeah. No, there you go. (laughs) There you go. For sure, man. For sure. I would say that would be my, yeah. What about you, Josh? No, I mean, uh, I'm an actor. So yeah, that's the, I mean, like I think that the best, I think that realistically, actually, the best way to, like, for me to artistically express myself would be, like, if I wrote more, but instead, a different, but just as effective thing that occurs in the world of art is that someone else writes the words, and then you have to embody, like, what those words mean. Isn't that a fun process? And that and that yeah. idea of, like, it's, you know what we were just saying, what you, what Matt was just talking about a conversation. It's like, oh, well, an actor reading a script is usually a conversation between a writer mm-hmm. and an actor. It's mm-hmm. like, how, what does the person's body look like who is saying these things, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what shape are they cutting in space? How are they saying it? Are they, you know, like, what is the intention behind mm-hmm. it? And what does that intention look like from that person? My, like, my getting a divorce is different from your getting a divorce. My, mm-hmm. you know, like my, like, you know, standing in, in the middle of a ring is different than you're standing in the middle of a ring. Like mm-hmm. what, like both like what we look like, but then also like what, you know, like all of our experiences culminate into like a different kind of shape that like, you know, like not, not just the physical, but like the thing that you express off of you, like the energy coming off of you is different and really good filmmakers and stage directors and stuff find the way to like put that in a way where it's like showcase that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like, I mean, like I said, I, that's my favorite form of art and that's my favorite like way that I have been able to express myself Mm -hmm. and you know, I am in, I'm a person who's always been, tried to be in a lot of different arenas, you know what I mean? Like, with our... I think we all have, right? Like, we're all pretty versed on having multiple areas of, um, we, 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 have, we have a lot of talents. Yeah. Right? Like, I sure. mean, would you say, like, our group of friends, I, mm-hmm. I, I think our group of friends, we all have, like, we're all versed in multiple talents. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely not alone on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, um, I'll, you know, I... You know, I, you know, you're a singer and you're an athlete and you're a, you know, like a performer in whatever different way, you know, you're, you have like your, all these different artistic things that have been present to you and like art, art athletics being like Mm -hmm. an artistic expression, obviously, like one of the more popular ones actually, because we all pay a lot of money to watch someone do it all the time. (laughs) So true. Yeah. So true. So, uh. But, you know, uh, it's, yeah, that would be the thing that I would describe as my, like, artistic expression. And it's largely because, like, all of it encompasses all of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that you could say that being a good 
actor helps you be a good athlete. But being a good athlete can help you become a better actor. Oh, 100%, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing that I think athletes have that um, not to shit on any other actors that I've met throughout my years, but um, athletes have a sense of um, a work ethic. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, they know what it takes to become really good at something because you've had to do that before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to some actors who just wake up, memorize lines, and then go on stage and just rehearse those lines. Um, they may not have that same discipline where uh, an athlete who's becoming an actor um, can rehearse the lines. Re- like you brought up a couple of really good points. Like what I'm saying and what I'm going through may be different than what Matt or Derek is going For through. Sure. But this is the character that I'm playing and this is what I see that he's going through where an actor who didn't necessarily have those same struggles as far as knowing what it's like to wake up early to get a workout in before practice Mm -hmm. and then having to do another workout right after practice, he may not have that same discipline to actually dive in a little bit deeper as opposed to just, I'm going to memorize the lines and I'm just going to wing it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like I've met actors like that. I don't know. Sure. I mean, you you, oh, yeah. you were never in the in the acting world, but you you've been in there longer than I have, and I'm sure you've seen plenty of those guys where they're just like, I just memorize the lines, I'm just going to wing it, and every performance is a little bit different. Where certain ones were better than others, and then certain ones were like, dude, like you completely missed your cue on that one. Like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, just kind of like wing it. my intention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, dude. Exactly. So that's the one thing you can't forget is like what your intention is. By the end of the scene, you're supposed to be pursuing something. One hundred percent. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I agree. I think people that were in athletics, I do think, oh, not just athletics in general, man, but just like any, anything that, what's that old, oh, fuck, I keep Mr. Old sayings. Um, uh, what's the best way to get to, uh, to, to, to Carnegie Hall, Carnegie Hall is practice. Right. Like, you know, like if you understand what's, uh, uh Miyamoto Musashi once said, uh, Miyamoto Musashi said, um. Uh, once you understand one thing, once you've mastered one thing, you understand all things broadly or something like that, which is like once you've mastered one thing, you know what it takes to master multiple things. Oh, yeah. um, and again, someone that is not a professional athlete, but someone that, that has been in athletics or has mastered how to play the guitar, you know, you're doing the guitar thing. You know what it takes. To, if someone that's mastered the guitar and they automatically transition into songwriting or right. acting. Mm-hmm. They know what it takes to, to master that, to get into that field. Right. And not just not just survive, but be great at it. To really show their artistic expression. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, you brought up a good thing with the, uh, the whole athlete thing. Um, I think anyone that has been successful in athletics, you have a leg up. Because that's one of the most competitive fields to get in, I think. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you know, whether it's... Basketball, football, mixed martial arts, hockey, whatever, dude. Like, it's not easy to get there. Like, you are literally putting everything into it. If to you approach be great. it the same way that you approached your sport, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 100%. But I don't know, man. That's one of the biggest takeaways that's so cliche, but works so well with martial arts or athletics in general is just like, you can apply what you learn here yeah. to, the, to the rest of life. So, in Jiu Jitsu, no, like, you know, snatching an arm bar or a rear naked choke, like, that doesn't necessarily apply to, uh-huh. you know, being a good bartender. But what does apply is consistency yeah. and hard work and focus uh-huh. and intention. And when you have a goal in front of you, such as being a black belt, again, to relate to martial arts, you see a black belt 
like every day at the gym. Like I see the same black belts constantly at the gym. And the difference between them and me is when they started and they stuck with it the whole time. Yeah. They absolutely. just stuck with it. You know, as the most basic explanation, but hard work and time and dedication and focus, just not giving up. I mean, you can apply so many of those micro lessons. A lot of those all of us learn, but there's a lot of smaller lessons that we learn as individuals on a regular basis at the gym that we can take those lessons and then try to create an analogy in another problem in our life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does give you a huge leg up. I think so. Especially when you're set... When you have a goal, like, right, like, I have a goal of having $36 million in my bank account. Like, that's my goal, is to have that in my checking account, $36 million, right? So, if I know someone with close to that sum of money in their bank account, I can follow their steps to some degree and apply it to my own life and my own journey and how I can get to that goal. The problem is that I don't have many people with that level of money or even to a lesser degree... Uh, success in areas that I find myself excited to. So I have to create more complex analogies. But when you're every day or three days, four days a week that you go to the gym and you see the black belts and you see what they're doing physically with your own eyes, mm-hmm. their own practices, you're able to adapt their practices into your own yeah. into your own ideology. So having an example in front of you um, that has accomplished the goals that you want to accomplish that's one of the greatest takeaways I've gotten from mm-hmm. martial arts is like, okay, I just need to find people who are of similar mind that have somewhat similar goals and that came from at least a baseline, something close. Like maybe they were just didn't have a lot of money and now they do. Mm-hmm. If that's the only thing we have in, in common, maybe I can find a way to get to those people. Yeah. But if those people are out of reach, then I don't stand a chance. Yeah. Right? So if you surround yourself with those people that have accomplished your goals, you're mm-hmm. likely to accomplish those goals. Just like jiu-jitsu. You surround yourself with black belts. Within a decade or so, you should accomplish that yeah. black belt, right? Yeah. Like if, especially if you're consistent with it and you're constantly around yeah. those people. What if you're all so with a whole bunch of dick black belts, though? Then guys are just like overly cranking guy. arm bars yeah. and they don't tell it they don't you're tell you you're a white belt they're going they for ankle locks. They just choke you out and it's like, <laughs> see what it did there? And it's like, no, can you explain it? Dude, I've actually gone... Okay, so I've actually... um, uh, First off, I love my gym. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Coach Alex, you're the man. Um, Dude, you said the name of your gym, dude. Are you embarrassed or what? No, no. uh, I'm sorry. I didn't really. King's Combat Sports uh, over here in uh, Chatsworth, California. Pause, dude. Uh, There's clearly some tension I thought I I did. I thought I did. But we've had open mats where we've actually had black belts from other schools join in. And... um, you know, rolling against these black belts, they've caught me in submissions where I ask immediately, like, yo, how'd you get me there? And they're like, oh, just go and ask your coach. And I'm like, well, fuck you, guy. Like, he's not a guy that trains at our gym, but he is a black belt. And I just, in my head, I'm thinking, hey, we're all here for hey, open dude, what's his name? Let's put him on black. Yeah, I wish I wish I remembered his name because I would. Um, but, uh, You're but not again, even memorable, dick black Yeah, belt. dude. Yeah, I know your face, though, and I'm coming for you, buddy. Um, but anyways... Uh, but again, he has no affiliation to our gym as in like he's not a regular student or teacher at, a, at he's my from school. from Cobra Kai, dude. But uh, he's from Cobra <laughs> Kai, dude. Fucking he's A, over man. He's over in Cobra he Kai. Is, dude. <laughs> he totally is. Um, uh, what's the, what, what's the, what was there saying in the movie? Uh, no pain, no something or something I like that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, anyways. I've expended my entire Karate Kid knowledge into Damn those it, two dude, I really thought, I really <laughs> thought you had more. Sweep the leg and uh, put him in a body bag. And, it's like, uh, it's like no mercy. It's like no mercy, no something, right? Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know dude. Anyways, 
but yeah, so uh, I've I've had experiences with with a couple of black belts that have shown up for open mat that were like that, where they're just like not like, hey, I'm not here to teach you. I'm just here to like submit you. And I was like, well, dude, I'm a blue belt and you're a black belt. So at the very least, give me something. And if you're not, then. Well, fuck you then, yeah, dude. Like, job, yeah, yeah, you submitted me. Cool. You kind of expected to do so, right? But I mean, you know, I will say though, to my own credit, the first two minutes, man, I was giving them hell. <laughs> 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 because my coach Alejandro taught me right. You know what I mean? Like, I was giving him hell, but then, you know, he caught me. Uh, but yeah, man, like, it's, it's a weird thing. It really, it kind of, I guess it depends on the person, right? Um, but with, with martial arts, that's one thing that I would say that I'm, I'm not saying I'm great at. But my artistic expression, I loved your answer, by the way, with the, with the conversation. I think I, I do have a similar skill set in that as well. But um, I've always been um, just in tune with martial arts. And I think that goes back to when I was a kid when uh, it was like hard for me. Like whenever it came to like martial arts movies or like learning how to throw a punch or a kick um, in school, I mean, I was like any average kid, right? Like I was like, I was whatever, right? But when it came to like, any type of physical activity, specifically with martial arts, it was so hard to break my concentration. I was like zoned in. Like, oh, you're going to teach me how to throw a punch? Dude, like I am all ears. I'm all about this right now. Like you have my undivided attention. And um, I wish, like if there's one thing I could go back and change, it was I wish I would have gotten into martial arts at a younger age because I think that would have really helped me out in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, that's one area where I look at and I'm like, dude, like, Martial arts, the key word in that is art. It is a it is an art form. It is an expression of oneself. And um, I'm not saying I'm the best jiu-jitsu guy, uh, but I am saying that I understand it, I think, better than most. Where I physically may not be able to perform certain techniques or moves that other guys have been doing it for longer or people that are more athletically gifted than I am that can perform, but I do think I understand technique, which I fucking really did. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. And... Um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's crazy. But yeah, that fucking black belt. Fuck you, dude. Straight I'm up, coming dude. for you, dude. I'm coming for you, man. That is not the way. You caught me in an that arm bar, and you didn't want to show me how you caught me in the arm bar. Um, but yeah, I'll get you. you I take mental notes of people. I'm like, I owe you one, and I owe you two. Yeah. Because I'm coming for you. Yeah. No matter your rank. Yeah. I don't memorize all the submissions people give me in, because there's too many. But oh, dude. I do remember sometimes, I'm like, uh-huh. All right, cool. Oh, dude. You take notes on people. That's got to be frustrating. I can close my eyes and remember the transition that he, like, got me. I don't remember how I got to that point, but I remember how he got me and he submitted me. And the more so I remember the conversation after. I was like, yo, man, how did you set me up? And he was like, oh, um, just ask your coach. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool, man. And, like, that was it. And he, like, walked off. Yeah, I was just like, dude, that was kind of like, okay. But, again, dude, like, I I don't want to paint a negative image um, because that was, like, a one-time thing. Every other person that's ever shown up at, during, on you know, open mat, they've always been cool. Like, especially if I get submitted, I'm like, yo, how'd you catch me in that? They're always, like, really cool and, like, showing me how to get there. Um, I got... What was that? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I got caught in a rear naked choke one time, and I was like, yo, man, how'd you get me there? And he was like, well, the first step is you don't want to get in that <laughs> yeah, position. That's always the and I'm like, dude. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> like fair half, enough. It's got to be half the time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like yeah. hey, what did I do wrong there? And they were like, don't give me that position. Yeah. All and right. again, that's true, man. That's true. Cool. That's true. And again, I want to say it again. Like, I'm not saying every person that goes there or an open mat in any school really like yeah. I've never you're always gonna run into yeah that you're always gonna person. run into at least one guy that's an asshole but this one guy was an asshole and um yeah whatever dude it is what it is but yeah 
Fucking A, dude. Yeah, man. That's like, uh, that's a part of the lineage, right? Like passing it along. Like you should be eager to showing, you know, like I'm still new to this whole martial arts world, but getting involved in teaching in the last six or eight months, like has shown me a lot of, I've always had this approach, especially, you know, I started training Muay Thai a little bit before jujitsu and that was always my approach was like, I can learn something from everyone, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning, the first couple of years. What's, it's been, holy shit, it's been like four years now I've been mm-hmm. training uh, Muay Thai. And the first, okay, let's say three years, I was like, every single person that I can train with likely has more experience or the same amount of experience as I do. Therefore, they have something to teach me. Yeah. That's just the way I broke it down. And even now, like a, a year later, I still have the exact same approach. And I tell the people that take some of my classes the same thing. Like, you know, I see some of the more advanced people get a little frustrated when they get paired with people who are newer mm-hmm. because they don't get the same workout or the, they're not holding pads right or, or whatever the problem is. But I, I try to instill in them the same thing that was instilled in me by one of my coaches throughout the years mm-hmm. was, you know, you can learn something from everybody. They have something to learn you so or have something to teach you. So if you're paired with someone who's it's their first day, if you can explain to them how to throw a jab, that means you really know how to throw a jab really well. If you can teach it, you retain at least 90% of that, right? Yeah. So um, if you can teach someone how to throw a jab, then you know how to throw a jab. If you can teach someone how to throw like a, a multi-strike combination, then you obviously know that combination and the structure of those strikes very well. But So therefore, you have something to learn because whenever I'm teaching classes, that's the number one thing my head coach told me was like, you're going to see a lot of things as you're teaching that you know but you don't always practice and it's going to highlight a lot of your own flaws which was absolutely correct and so i try to tell the more some of the more advanced people like yo just because you're stuck stuck training with the quote unquote stuck train with training with the new person if you can teach them how to do that you're going to highlight your own strikes as well your own technique so you can learn something from everybody and maybe that kind of is a um, diminishing returns as you get more advanced to like a you know a decade of practice but in my experience in the last few years has been Obviously very much not, that because black belts still teach white belts like that's I yeah. mean you know like there's only there is only to bring it back to that sharpening the X it's like how do you keep you can either keep your axe sharp or you can let it grow dull mm-hmm. and it's like the way that you keep it sharp is by con- if you this black belt it's supposed to be eager. If someone is eager to roll with him, mm-hmm. he is supposed to, he should theoretically be eager to tell you. It's like, oh, I did this and this. Even if it's just a brief explanation, it's like, yes, yes, this is what I did. Like, do you understand? And it's like, you could say yes or no. And it's like, ah, I, you know, like I don't, if you're changing rounds or whatever, but like you should be eager to like tell someone because you're not just there. He's a black belt. He shouldn't be there to like, tap out blue belts he should be there to like get a workout and like that workout should include like his like mental practice mm-hmm. you know like he should have at some point had the realizations like in chess like it's like uh i can you know like uh bishop takes pawn you know like pushing your leg or whatever thing that he did to his body weight it's like you know queen takes this you know roll over here and here we go mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing the same basic idea it's like if if there were no reason for someone to teach someone, then black belts wouldn't teach white belts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is always a reason to like be teaching something. Even if it's just that, even if you don't, 
gain anything from it, even if you just maintain. Like in weightlifting, yeah. like you, you know, you don't always you're not always working gains. You're sometimes, and speaking of COVID nineteen, a lot of people are just working on maintenance right now. Like yeah. like whatever weights that they have present to just like oh, can you maintain the level of strength you've achieved right now? Mm. Like that would be a win right now, and like that's in martial arts. People who are very, very accomplished and have spent the time doing it, the way that they can keep their axe sharp is to like be teaching it to other people. So. And, and what is a black belt? Two things, right? Is a white belt that never quit, and as they say, a master of the basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, love that. Yeah. Yeah. A master of the basics. Like, yeah. okay, cool. You've just really begun your mm-hmm. journey in this thing. So yeah, you should be eager to be teaching and sharing. Yeah, dude. Like, mm-hmm. think about all the people that have. You know, I, t- I shout out Coach Andy and Coach Kevin from Legacy. Gotta shout those guys out. Yeah. Like, I had that tournament I fought in in December mm-hmm. 2018. Those guys... Yeah, <laughs> I was there. Just kidding. There are photos, bro. <laughs> uh, but those guys took time out of every single day for... What, how long was my camp? Three weeks. Less than three weeks. Just under three weeks. Those guys took every day an extra hour, every or two hours out of every day to help me get better. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They didn't get paid. Coach Kevin drove me out to fucking Fontucky all day long. What's Fontucky? Ta- Fontana. What's that? It's way out east, like San Bernardino. No way. They call it Fontucky because okay. it's so far. Um, but he drove me out there a week before his fight in Arizona. Did you uh, Did you know about this, Josh? Like, Did you think about participating in the same event? or No. Yeah. no? I didn't tell anybody I was going to fight. I don't think before that either. Oh, shit. I just Nobody? told the coach. Not, no. not even John? No, I think you knew I was training. Oh, you knew you had a fight. Oh, okay. I, if you're if you're asking me, did I did I, you know that he was going to be like? Oh, fight? I'm sorry. I thought you were saying was I did I think that I could participate in the same thing he was doing? Uh, well, I mean, no, I could I not. Mean that, I could not have participated. Yeah. Did I know he had? A, I didn't yeah. know that he had a fight because he because we were working out at the same time yeah. too. So like, I knew I knew that you had something coming up. I knew. That Why didn't you have your boys go? I, I like wanted to keep it for me. Too, yeah? Okay. The first one, you know, um, uh, one of my buddies took a boxing fight and didn't tell anybody, including his roommate, who was his brother, took a boxing fight and didn't tell anybody. And I kind of had a conversation with him about it. And he was Is like, it my boy yeah. Tiga? Oh, yeah, his brother. Jose. Hey. His brother Jose. Yeah. Those cool dude. Shout out the Gonzo brothers. Uh, the Yeah, he took it um, and was just like, I need it for me. Yeah. This is for me. This is about me. It's not about anybody else. And I did the same thing. So a couple of you from the gym came. But, yeah, that's cool. But those guys took time out of their weeks for nothing. Like, I wasn't paying them. They weren't yeah. getting any credit. There's not any sponsors. This is like fucking, yeah. you know, smoker fight. Yeah. Small ass thing. Um, Kevin actually, uh, right after my way and we went to go get food and I was just like, still wasn't hungry. I was just like, had no appetite. I was nervous. Nervous we went shit, to uh, yeah. Farmer Brothers and he got some food. Um, one of the, some of the food there, he got sick to his stomach, got food poisoning. Oh shit. And he had a fight the week before or a week after Damn. mine. So he was sick for like three days after Damn. four. He couldn't train for, uh, four days after that. So he had like two more days to prep before they drove out to Arizona and fought. Damn. So those guys like. Went out of their way and sacrificed their time and their money um, just to put it into me. They and one invested of them, time one in of them me. got food poisoning from it. And yeah, yeah and made a major crazy. sacrifice in my opinion um, and still continue to do so. If I if I have questions, they're like, yo, dude, just call me. Or like, you want to get together and just like fuck around and, and, and have questions like anytime you want. And when I have coaches like that around me sharing this with me for nothing, 
just to pass along the knowledge, the lineage, the information. It just makes me want to put yeah. that same time and energy into into other people. Like, yeah, not that sure. I have so much to offer, but apparently to somebody you I do. do. Though, man. You do, yeah. And just Both being able to pass do. that like, along, yeah. man. What a beautiful thing to be a part of is that kind of, yeah. I keep referring to the lineage, but passing That's along is, this though, beautiful man. art form, this, this love, this passion we have for martial arts and, and continuing the love so that this thing stays alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's passion. Absolutely. For me. Dude, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. But you, JD, any uh, tournaments coming up, bro? Jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu tournaments, right? Hey, bro. It's COVID-19, bro. Yeah. I'll tournament you right now, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, to kind of go back to um, what I was talking about earlier, um, it sucks that the last tournament, not the last one officially, but one of the last ones in California before the whole COVID-19 shutdown happened, I participated in mm-hmm. and uh, got injured. Yeah. And, but I lost. So I lost. I'm, I'm taking that. Taking that one on the nose. Um, but I will say um, I gained a lot of confidence in that because I know... Have you talked about that experience on the show? No. Oh, really? No, that's actually the first show I've done in over a year. So oh, anyone... Oh, spiel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, but with that experience, I will say I gained a lot of confidence knowing that like I said earlier before we even started, because um, I showed you guys the, the, the footage, um, I know I, I when when the going really gets tough, I know I won't quit. I'll continue going, mm-hmm. um, which that to me was a huge accomplishment because up until then, I've never really dealt with that kind of adversity. Yeah. Um, and second, um, I got to see at least what some of the, not the quote-unquote best guys in my division, my age group and my, my weight class, what, what they have to offer, but I got to see at least testing the waters on who in my division and my, my age range, like what they have to offer as far as skill set, size, strength, and whatnot. And um, I'm going to quote GSP. Um, I'm not impressed by your performance. Mm. I really was not impressed. I wasn't like blown away. It wasn't like I got shut out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I lost. I got hurt. Um, and, and, all, and all things considering – the way I'm looking at it is if if my opponent had the same injury that I had while we were competing, I would have taken him out. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was able to maintain and keep this guy from actually making me tap out and I continue fighting until the very end, until the sound of the bell, um, that gives me a lot of confidence. So yeah. with that, and honestly, I, I, I credit my, my training. You know, like Keen's combat, dude, Alejandro, uh, we're lineage of John Jock Machado. You know, like that's, that's right. our lineage, man. And um we have some studs out there, dude. Like a lot of our guys did really great. They got first, second. Like we have some guys that yeah, just did fucking who's listening, great. If you haven't reported one in, in over a year, uh, yeah, Derek competed in a jujitsu tournament. What is it? A month ago? A couple months ago? Uh, a month ago. Like uh, I was March eighth. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, wow. literally March, right before. It was literally March eighth right to March tenth. Like, like I said, yeah. So yeah, you literally probably competed in one of the last tournaments held in California for sure. It was March eighth. March eighth was our last tournament. Yeah, you had a and you had a ribbon. Yeah, uh, the first the first match, I I I took the guy out in like the last minute, and um, the second match, I I thought I was doing really well. Um, I was defending the guy's uh, his attacks, and then I made a couple of critical errors that led to my injury. But to be honest, man, like the injury didn't hurt me in that second match. I just. There are a couple positions that I, a couple bad positions that I left myself in, and I didn't respond the way that I was supposed to. Uh, the third match is where really the injury really kind of t- took its toll on me, and then 
Um, but yeah, but whatever, dude. It, it is what it is. I, I fucking learned a lot, and uh, I'll be back. Um, the one, at least for jujitsu, the biggest takeaway with this COVID nineteen is that it has definitely um, put a huge like fucking I don't know a huge thorn in my side as far as you know training and getting better and getting back out there. Um, but once this whole thing passes, I'll be working on what I did wrong. And then the first tournament that, you know, comes up in 2020, after this whole thing passes, you better believe I'll be there. I'm hoping and, that uh, a lot of places have, like, yeah, like, kind of welcome back. Yeah, we're talking about having a party for our, like, group of friends, like, yeah. afterwards. Like, I hope that, like, Legacy has, like, a welcome back tournament or something like that. I was going to say, I, I talked to one of my main training partners um, this week, or last week, and I was like, I'm jumping in the first competition. Dude, yeah, that just do it. Up. Like, I'm, just I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, man. Floor. And uh, <laughs> that's what I was saying, like... I, I, I competed in a, a weight class that I'm not supposed to be in. Like, I'm not a big guy, you know what I mean? And I was technically, according to their their weight classes, I was a middleweight, which is, like, crazy. What were you competing at? Um, 82 to 70. No, 82 to 69. Oh, shit. Okay. It's a big, well, yeah, it's a big yeah. spread. It's a big spread. Pounds, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, you weigh in with your gi, and the gi is, like, three four pounds, depending on your gi. So, um, and I weighed in cool. at 77. I was 177 with the gi on. So it's probably like 174. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to continue losing weight, but I don't want to leave that category because I want to, I want to run it back because those guys that were that size, like, and some of the guys were like, they're in shape. Like the last guy, the, the last video that you guys saw and the guy before that, they were like in shape. Like there's no, I have a pudgy belly, a little bit of a pudgy belly. Um, these guys had none of that. They were like lean at that weight class. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, like they're going to have a bigger frame than I have. Mm. And then clinching up with them, dude, like there was none of that. There was like no strength advantage. There was none mm. of that. And I just felt, I honestly, I felt stronger. Like even with the last video, I, I'm saying this as if the, uh, the listeners fucking know what I'm talking about. But for you guys, the last video, even when he tried to take me down, I just felt so much stronger than him. I was mm. like, oh dude, you're not, you know, this is, I just made a couple uh, errors, but yeah. So I want to, I want to read, I want to re go at that weight class, take first, and then I'm gonna go down to the weight class I'm supposed to be in, which is like lightweight, you know, that kind of, that thing. So but, 160 to 170, right? Or 160 yeah, I want to be like 165. I think that's like a comfortable weight class for me. Cool, I'm coming for you, bro. <laughs> Are you in that weight? There's no way, yeah, dude. Look at you. I'm 168. No, you're right not. Here? No, you're not. Pull out scale, bro. <laughs> Okay, listeners, uh, <laughs> Matthew Rodick is like, what, 6'2"? 6'1". 6'1". You're 6'2". 6'1". 6 foot 3 quarter. Yo, let's measure this shit out right now. Here's the thing, man. I've noticed. Bro. Here's the one thing. I will say, us shorter guys, we always measure up, and the taller guys always measure down. So mm-hmm. I'm saying you're 6'2". I'm like, I'm close. I'm just under 6'1". Okay. I promise you. I wouldn't lie. Because Gilman's always like, oh, I'm 6'2". I'm like, dude, you're 6'3", bro. Like. Come on, like he's a tall motherfucker, dude. You're right. Maybe we do underscore it because you're like I'm. I'm five eight. I'm five eight. <laughs> uh, I'm five four, but uh, with shoes on, I'm five nine. One forty five. Oh, that's fucking hilarious, dude. You got me there because I thought you were being serious. I was like, yeah, five five. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Um. But yeah, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what's up with his weight class. Yeah. I just I just need to lose some weight. Um, but I'm going to stay here. I'm going to get down to 170, weighing with the gi at 173, 174, tear everyone up that cut weight to get to 182, 
and uh, go from there. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, you, you did any kind of di- diet or anything like that? I was for that one. Yeah, because I was I was 185, and I weighed it out. So I dropped 10 pounds. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Within five weeks, I dropped 10 pounds. And it wasn't like I was all water weight. I didn't I didn't cut any weight. I just, like, lost body fat. Oh. You yeah. just dieted. You I just dieted. Any, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just dieted. It seemed to be, like, a nice advantage to... I was talking... I think my buddy Adam actually com, um, competed in the same tournament. Oh, cool. Uh, that you did as a white belt. Mm. Um, 208. Oh, it was big boy. Dude is fucking jacked. Oh. He's in crazy good shape. He's a personal yeah. trainer. Adam's fucking crazy. Um, but uh, he said the nice thing was, like... There wasn't a lot of like cutting weight. It's more like you're competing yeah, at the weight fair. you're generally walking yeah. around at. So if you're yeah. dieting, then that's great. Rather than the yeah. fucking crazy weight cuts. Well, I had to out. I had to make that weight, dude, because like I was 185 with the gi, it was closer to 190, and then I didn't want to compete against those guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna cut you weight to get down. Weight classes, that that cat. I mean, probably belts, yeah, but. probably yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I got down to 177. So again, I didn't weigh myself without the gi, but. You can feel my gi. It's at least three, four pounds. Like it's it's a heavy it's a heavy thing. Let me feel your gi, bro. Would you put it on? I'll feel it. <laughs> there you go. Pick me up. You're like, yeah, that's about one. Feel your around your neck. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Like I, so I want to I want to continue getting. I want to get back on that diet and um, and dude, it's it, here's the thing, man. Structure, right? We talked about that earlier with the whole COVID nineteen and all that shit. Yeah. Um, with structure, I've noticed. It's easier for me to lose weight when I have something to lose weight for. Mm-hmm. So losing the weight for the tournament was a cinch. Did I like it? No. But mm-hmm. was it easy? Yes. But it's because I knew I got to make weight. I have to. I have to make weight. I've never not made weight whenever I came to one of these tournaments. You know what I mean? So easy. But when it comes to now, like, hey, Derek, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just start going back on that diet. I'm more likely to piss off. In the middle of next week, and you know, eat some was pancakes eating, or pizza. Were your eating habits not sustainable during that time? What do you mean, not sustainable? Like, could could you not just exist like that for a while? No, I can't. Yeah, because oh. it was like I wasn't eating. I just wasn't eating the same thing I'm eating now. Um, like, I ate a lot of boiled eggs. Was like my main source of protein for like lunch. Mm. I would have um, a banana and apple, and then like three, four uh, hard boiled eggs, mm. and then um, for dinner. It was usually like a protein, greens, and that was it. I had no starch. I had maybe rice, maybe. Um, and but now, dude, like I'm being honest, my biggest my biggest crutch is candy, sugar. You sugar. love candy. I fucking love candy. What dude. kind of candy? Bro? Derek loves sour candy. Sour Patch Kids, really? sour Skittles. Sour, dude. not even sweet. No, oh, sour. Sour, all time. sour, dude. Yeah. I've known this about Derek for years. Dude. Sour Skittles is my fucking jam, dude. I just finished a fucking pack. It's his Derek's dog heel. Dude, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that know my dog's name, his name is Achilles. Um, but yeah, dude, like candy, like sugar, just yeah. sugar, sugar in general. I mean, yeah, I eat pasta and I eat pizza and all that other shit, sure. I but love, like raw cookie dough. Oh, really? That's Damn. my trick, and ice Damn. cream. For sure, man. I just, uh, sugar is, my, is like my legitimate vice. I don't even drink that much, man. Like, honestly, I, I really don't. For those people that think I do, I know some people think I drink more than I do. And I'm like, I don't. I really don't. I, I mean, especially beer. Like, I actually, this is the most beer I've drank in a long time. I drink wine. It's probably the most I drink. But I haven't spent any money on wine uh, during this whole COVID-19 thing. Um, 
But yeah, man, like you gifted seventeen bottles though, so I was. Is <laughs> <laughs> that uh, any money on it? Yeah, drunk none. on three bottles of wine every none, night, none. four days. Um, but no, man, I will. Like I'm that guy that I'll go to the dollar store and I'll fucking buy like a ten dollars worth of candy and just like smash that in like two days. Wild to me. In like two days, honestly, like I will smash candy. Like it's so weird whenever you like hear like people that you love describe their experiences is so much different than yours like, yeah that's fair just like the idea of like go like we were talking about like going to a bar it's like uh, i never go to a uh, bar in my free time like going to a place and walking out with candy yeah oh it's wild to me dude i fucking that's like a normal thing for me like i'll go to the dollar store i'm not kidding and i'll fucking walk out with like sour skittles i'll oh that's that's a new can i've never had that before i'll try that sour belts fuck yes i'll take some sour belts. Not hot throwing, tamales yeah not throwing any stone either. Cause no, I know you're Taylor, not. I know you're not. Taylor, hey, I'm, I'm, Taylor, I'm, I'm not Taylor taking that way. Come home like he'll have three different kinds of cookie. Like Oreo made a new flavor, bro. Oh, shit. And it's like keep that shit away from me. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, no. I, I, I have. I, I have, just don't buy that shit most I, of the time. Like, I have zero. Dude, sugar is my zero. Sugar is a drug, and I'm addicted to it yeah, for I sure. Zero, I have zero sweet tooth, so I've been lucky in that way. But I do like ice cream. Mm. Uh, so I just don't keep ice cream. But whenever you just said cookie dough, it's like chocolate chip cookie dough. Whenever there's like a really good, I don't even know what good brands are or whatever. Like I can a, tell you. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, chocolate chip cookie dough. I remember I, ice cream is really good. But I like milk. I'm a big fan of milk. So it's like, oh, we added sugar and milk and made it colder. And it's like, isn't that good? Cereal. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I have a really bad I've always, I've known that about you for a long time. That, yeah, yeah. Like, especially sugar. the sour stuff. I've always, like, yeah, you, sugar you is like my a, thing, man. You like a sour, sour, like a sour candy. Uh, 100%. Like, I'm not big on, like, just, like, normal Skittles or Starburst. If it's sour and it has a sweet finish, that's my jam. Yeah. And hot tamales, for some reason, I have, like, this weird obsession for hot tamales. Hmm. Don't know why. But I'll, I'll, like, Ozark, I fucking smashed... Like a pack of hot tamales, a bag of hot Cheetos, and like some sour Skittles, <laughs> and like that's just like okay, cool. And then I'm gonna have dinner, you know. Then I'll have, <laughs> like it's not good. Dinner, yeah, oh, then you gotta have dinner. Dude. Like yeah, so like that. That's where oh, most crazy. of my where most of my calories come from for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's my uh, vice. Yeah. That's my vice for sure. I was that the reason I was asking because like okay, if you lost that weight, I was just wondering like. I haven't gained it all back. I'm, yeah, I'm one. Know. I'm one seventy nine right now, so yeah. I've only gained a few pounds back. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, if the diet that most of that's with, muscle, bro. Like, yeah, because I've been doing pull. Strong kid, good, strong bro. kid. I feel strong. Yeah, <laughs> I was just wondering. It's like it almost uh, seems like if you cut down to one sixty five, because like what you're talking about it seems like you should cut down to like one sixty five and then gain some weight before like eat a big dinner. Or, like, eat a whole bunch uh-huh. and then do your weigh-in so you can compete in that same weight class that you want to yeah. do. I could do that. I, if I were you, I would just be like, I, I would probably just cut the weight to the weight class that I want to be at and then just compete. But I do understand you wanting to run it back. I, I just don't understand. I'm going to run it back. I just don't know if you're going to... going to run it back. Are you going to compete against the same people? You don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But at least in my yeah. head, the same weight class, same body frames. Sure. We'll yeah. see what's up. Hopefully, there's more guys. If I knew for certain that I was going to compete against the same people, I'd be on the same. I'd be in the boat with you. Yeah. But like, you don't know if you're going to compete against the don't same know. people. Uh, if don't I don't know, don't for, care. If don't I knew it. for certain I was going to compete in the same tournament yeah. against like a guy who like, oh, like you won and my rib popped out of yeah. socket, it's like tight. Let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to eat like, like I'll, I'm going to go to Olive Garden eat a fettuccine Alfredo. 
beforehand. And it's like, oh yeah, like sorry, I made weight now, yeah. so let's go. You know, like yeah. shrimp carbonara. That's my dog. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Shrimp carbonara. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I don't know. We'll see what's up, man. Um, yeah. But uh, but uh, I was just yeah. My my thought for you would be like if it was sustainable for you to just I just. Diet has always been such a fascinating thing yeah. to like for human beings, like the way that mm-hmm. you like the way that a human eats on their day to day, I just think is so fascinating. Dude, and what, and, what effects it has. Yeah, and I'm I'm not kidding, man. Like I will literally go out and smash candy and then like for dinner I'll have like pasta or pizza mm. and then like I don't know the number of calories that is, but it can't be good for you. Like you know what I mean? And I won't just do that one day out of the week. Like that'll be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then like Monday through Thursday, it'll be like I'm eating clean. You know what I mean? Which will like be normal shit. Sure. By normal shit, I mean I, I won't eat candy, but I'll eat everything else. You know sure. what I mean? But um, but yeah. So but during during the weight loss, I didn't have any candy. I think I had a couple Reese's pieces. Um, I think I did, but that's just protein. Right? It's got to maintain your sanity, dog. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think on International Pancake Day, Brianna <laughs> and I went out and had pancakes. And that was a week before the tournament. But we still made weight. Because she cut weight too. And she did, she did great, man. She did great. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, dude. Anyways, dude. Guys. <laughs> fucking love you guys. Thank you for coming out. Dude. Oh, um, yeah. Fucking hey. Anything you guys, guys want to add? No, well, if we if you do that right now, then you know that we're going to jump into another hour. So should we start? Should we start part two? This part two, yeah. Should we start part two. For I think sure. we've already been going for yeah. three hours. I think it's that, uh, yeah. two hours and twenty minutes actually. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good, um, good. But I will say, um, episode nine of. Uh, Brews with Masters comes out tomorrow. Um, episode 9, Brews with Masters. We are featuring Wing Walker Brewery out of Monrovia. Uh, check it out. And if you've made it this long throughout the podcast, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for listening. Um, dude, it's the uh, first time I've uh, recorded an episode in over a year. Literally over a year. Oh, damn. So, has it been that long? Yeah, a year. Yeah. Yeah, so um, pleasure to be part part of the return. Don't yeah, fall come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, anything you guys want to add? Before we go, shout out Legacy Los Angeles. For memories, dude. Stay healthy, stay safe. Think for yourself. You know, COVID 19, 2020, guys. Anything you want to add before? Yeah, uh, uh, build a baseline during this uh, these hard times. Build a baseline, and then whenever the new, uh, whenever you start back up to like something that looks similar to what your old lifestyle looks like, make sure that you have new habits. Like, you know, you've got plenty of time to create a new habit right now. So make sure that whenever things resume as they used to be, that you have at least one new habit that you are proud of whenever things start back up. Fucking love Yeah, I think that. I think that's a good thing to for me to think. Yeah. Dude, fucking All right, guys. Love it. Thank you again, everyone. Cheers to you. Be safe out there. Bye, guys. Later.